Are you ready? All right, cool. Hello, and thanks for joining us for this very first episode of Skids Up, RC Heli Podcast. This show is going to revolve around the journey of just a few of us guys who love the RC Heli hobby and want to get more plugged into the community and hopefully learn some coolness stuff along the way. My name is Paul Ferrer. I'm your host. I'm joined by two other hosts, Javier and Frank. I'm not going to say their last names because I don't want to butcher them. But in many respects, this show is the spiritual successor to the Full Pitch RC podcast, which stopped its production run last year. Uh, so before we get started, I um, wanted to give a big shout out to Jimmy Jones for all the work he did on Full Pitch, which actually allowed me to get in touch with these guys. So in this first episode, we're just going to do some introductions, get to know a little bit more about our hosts and, um, and see where it goes from there. We don't really have an agenda today, but in the future, we'll have a more structured format with either a guest or a deep dive into a technical topic. Uh, speaking of technical topics, I will tell you right now that I don't claim to be an expert in uh, anything, actually. So if you find yourself listening and thinking, Paul, you have no idea what the hell you're talking about, uh, please give us a shout. And I will actually probably put you on the show to talk about it. So uh, my motivations for wanting to be a part of something like this are totally selfish, not going to lie. I feel like I've been on the outskirts of this hobby for a really long time without making a commitment to... Uh, be a part of the community. So I, I really just want to meet as many people as possible, uh, learn some new stuff, and hopefully share some knowledge with others. I uh, I know some stuff, you know, not a whole lot, but I do know some stuff. So with that out of the way, let's um, let's move on to a segment called Quick Updates, although since this is the first episode, everything's an update. But Javier, why don't you go ahead and get us started with that one? Yes. Uh, thanks, Paul. That was a pretty nice introduction. Um, so... Um... Yeah, um, thank you. And uh, it was, uh, it's, it's been a while. It's been a while since uh, I kind of uh, grabbed the mic or the mic. It's been uh, a really, really, um, I don't know, um, you know, a different time um, without these being part of the hobby for me. Um, it was pretty nice to be part of the podcast, to have uh, the ability, you know, to uh, talk with others, uh, to have, you know, a group of friends uh, that share the same passion, to talk about it, you know, um, every so often, uh, kind of like going to a fun play, uh, getting together. But, you know, uh, technology is amazing. Um, uh, Paul uh, put a, uh, a post on Helipreak that you know he uh, he was wanting to do a new podcast so i since i don't spend a lot of time on heli freak <laughs> um just, i uh because <laughs> i i get i get my updates on heli freak from you so i don't know if that's sarcasm or, or am i missing something here <laughs> so we have a whole section here titled updates from heli freak <laughs> <laughs> yes yes even though the hell, the the, the free for all sea guys say that Helifreak is dead, but it's far from that, and I, and I can attest to that. So uh, there's like eight guys on there that are totally talking all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you're being generous to that no, that number eight. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so it was it was great. You know, he um, um, he put that post, and I you know I messaged him, and uh, we started talking about that. We ended up having a phone call. We discussed about it. I think that, uh, you know, the chemistry was there. We started talking about it, then got in touch with uh, Scott and Frank. Scott, unfortunately, couldn't make it today. But, you know, with us, is also Frank. So um, I think that, that this is uh, this is going to be a great time. I'm really looking forward to it. Thanks, Paul. 
for you know um opening this up and for you know taking the dive taking the dive into getting uh this new podcast started and i think it's gonna be a lot of fun hey man i'm just riding your coattails so thanks for letting me do that <laughs> all right awesome so uh frank what about you uh, so I pretty much, I am a constant other than work and family life. It's helicopters, There's helicopters as much as possible. Uh, I fly every week. Actually, I got to fly today, which was really good. That's always important. Yep. Um, the hangout keeps me pretty busy. Not as much as it used to be. I have a lot more admins now, so I don't really spend as much time on it. Um, flying for team SAB USA and all the... BK side as well as uh, Mikado USA and Scorpion keeps me uh, always trying to do something for the teams. But yeah, I I live and love this hobby much, and I miss being on the podcast, giving me two hours every couple of weeks to talk about helis or get someone to come in here and teach us some stuff. It's awesome, and something I'm very passionate about it, and I can't get enough helicopters. So let's let's do a, let's do a podcast. <laughs> Can I say nice, awesome. All right, so for me, um, yeah, it's been a busy, it's been a busy, uh, you know, eighteen months for me. Uh, I um, I'll get into it later, uh, but I took a break from Helis for a while, kind of got back into it early last year, so I've been going strong for for two solid now. In the past, maybe I'd say three or four months, I've finished uh, another Oxy Four. 360 just to minimize downtime in case I crash the other one. I finished an X3 that I'd had kind of in a state of semi-completion for a while. And then after many years, I also just switched transmitter ecosystems. So I've been a Spectrum guy for pretty much, you know, since I started. Uh, I looked at the iX12, saw it in the hobby shop. I really liked the gimbals. I hated the Android component of it. Uh, so I then started looking at Jetty, which can go upwards in price in a hurry, and uh, actually ended up deciding on Gropner. So I just bought a Gropner uh, MZ32 about a month ago, and I've been using that. Uh, I really, really like it. I actually grew up in Europe, and my first RC car as a kid was a Gropner uh, dune buggy. So I have warm, fuzzy childhood memories of Gropner. And um, when I was looking for transmitters, the, the biggest thing for me was the gimbal feel. And I think that the MZ32 has some pretty kick-ass gimbals. They, they rival like the DS16 Jetty, in my opinion. Uh, they're really nice. I'm still learning, uh, I think they call it Gropanese, because it's, it's, it's a very interesting transmitter software system. One other thing, I just... So right now I've got a, a Goblin 570, which is the largest helicopter that I have. And the, the reason that I haven't... The reason I haven't got, actually gotten any, any larger ones is because I live so far away from the flying field, I don't actually get a chance to take it out too often. But I just, uh, I just ordered an Oxy-5 uh, yesterday. So we'll see, we'll see how that one goes. Um, I haven't picked out the electronics for it yet, but... I'm thinking that uh, those two staring at me every day on the wall will be proper motivation to get my ass out to the field. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Because <laughs> right now my backyard is just about the right size for a for an MCPX, and I've been practicing my inverted circuits on a Blade Nano S2, and that's just not doing it for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially with, with, you know, with a machine like the 570 hanging on the wall, man. I mean, you have to get out there. I know. <laughs> I know. It just looks at me with those with those... With those eyes, those, ju those judging eyes. <laughs> it, it's funny because the 570 is actually my smallest machine that I have, you know, because I because all my other ones are 700s. 
But that is the machine that I fly the most on. If you, I can show you my logs on my V control, that I, it'll show you that I have like this year alone I must have put 150 flights on oh, it awesome. because every time I go, every time I go to the field, I'm gonna put flights on it, and I have a bunch of packs for it, so I can charge four, four or five thousands at one shot on my charger and go out there and bang those flights out. And I usually t- have that in my car all the time for flying after work. Not anymore because you know. Time's gonna change. It's gonna be. It's gonna get darker earlier. Are you um? Are you running six S or twelve S on your on your five seventy? Six S, six S. That's the that's the route I went to, just because of the uh, the ease of charging and you know, like you said, keeping it in the trunk and just like going out there whenever you get a chance. For sure, it, it lacks a little flight time, and I run I run about twenty three hundred head speed, so I get about three and a half minutes of flight. <laughs> but those are some fun three oh, and a half minutes. You know, I have a uh, I have a case in my trunk or a, a case that I keep in my trunk that's got my Oxy two and my transmitter, and I always keep you know six or seven batteries uh, ready to go. And uh, because I have to drop my daughter off at school super early, I don't actually have to be at work until nine thirty. I've got you know a couple hours to kill uh, in between then, so I usually just go out to a random park every morning. I don't I don't go to the same one. Uh, the cops have been known to kick people out for flying RC. So like I, I, I hop around parks um, you know every morning before work and get you know five or six flights in. Um, cool. Hopefully not crash anything, but because then my then the rest of my day is just shot. <laughs> I used I used to I used to do that all the times too. I used to, but I did it with foamy planes, you know, because uh, didn't have a good place to fly helicopters. But yeah. I crashed the plane once, and it ruined like my like day, two or three days from that. So after that, I was like, yeah, I can't I can't fly in the mornings because <laughs> when I go to work, I'll be shot. The, so, the worst thing is, is if you crash something, you don't have the immediate parts to fix it and you have to order them and then wait like that just ruins my mood for a while. And if I know that I can go home and fix it and be up the next day, it's not a problem. But like if I, if I wreck the pitch slider and I have to go wait for one to get delivered and like, man, I'm just going to be pissed off for a day or two. <laughs> oh man. I give it up. I give it up on trying to stock parts. Like I, I bought entire, like I have, I think I got enough parts to build like three, five seventies other than the one that I'm buying. Oh, nice. Because I'll, because I'll just buy an extra, I'll buy the kit, I'll buy a used kit. Someone's selling a used kit, and if I get a good price on it, I'll just pick it up and put the break it break it down and have extra parts. That's a good idea. But with my seven hundreds, when it happens, it's um, it's gonna sound like promoting, but it isn't. It's just the truth, guys. I, I so I'm swapping out the canopy and the boom on my black nitro for the mow down next weekend, which is an event in Virginia that I'm going to, and I ordered the parts yesterday. And I had them delivered today, so it's the great thing about having uh, VK hobbies in the same uh, state as yours. That's nice. Where is there? Is there office near Orlando or? It, it's in uh, a Koei or a Paca. It's 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 like West Orlando. Okay. Nice. So how many uh, how many how many crashes on your seven hundred have you had like this year? Would you say to to date? I've only crashed one seven hundred. Really? To date? Yeah. Nice. That's impressive. Okay. Yeah, but I it was a doozy. <laughs> <laughs> it was a doozy. Oh my god. Oh. Please tell me it, it was, was recorded for posterity. Oh no. oh no. No, no, I have a picture of it, but I I I don't show it often, but it was glorious. It was <laughs> I was so I've been I was working on doing uh funnels, right? And I get the funnel pretty pretty good. Till it's, it's counterclockwise, right? That's the way I usually I'm doing, right? So I come around and it crosses me, and it's just beautiful. And I somehow lose it on the last like 30, 40 degrees of before I do a full rotation, right? I drive it in full power. Ooh. 
there was no love whatsoever. This team came in barreling down, and the only thing I, the only, it was a, it was my, it was my first crash on a seven hundred ever. But other than parts that I just wanted to replace because they looked ugly, not that they weren't good, it was like uh, it wasn't as much money as people would think. But the boom, the only thing, I laughed because I literally split the boom in half. So which, uh, so I, I don't know if you if you mentioned which model seven hundred was it. That's the Black Thunder, Black Thunder 700. Okay. The, the original one, the original one with the carbon fiber flame, frames. I said the booms, and, yeah, I mean, I'd say booms and blades alone are like 150, right? Maybe 160? Yeah. Uh, it depends. I went with the, um, I bought it used. So it was the, it was the Thunder, it was a Thunder and Sport mixture. It had the Thunder frames, but it had the Sport boom and canopy. So I just I replaced it with the same thing. It was thing. a hobgoblin. I see. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was a mud. It was a mud. So. I haven't uh, but, I haven't crashed my my, my five seventy yet. I, I think I might cry a bit inside when I do. No, d- look, no. Oh yeah, I've I've cried a couple times. So Guys, don't worry. I'm, I'm going to tell you, uh, the best thing that the crashes do is they teach you. They teach you. They either teach you how to set up your helicopter better, or they teach you. They they force you to sim more. Which is what that thing did, and it became a, an, an addiction for me. Like I sim just about every night. I, I and it's it's helped me out tremendously. That one crash did it for me because I'm like, man, that's like. It's funny because I crashed the 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 weekend that I ordered my Kraken. So I spent a bunch of money ordering my Kraken, and I crashed my 700 that same weekend. So I was like, so it was it was a good amount of chunk of money going out of my wallet that weekend. I think emotionally I'd be okay though. You know, you know you're getting a crack into the deal. <laughs> yeah, but it's still it's it's like I don't like to have my helicopters just not fixed. You know, don't get me wrong. That thunder set for a couple about a month before I touched it again. Ouch! Because I had a crack in the bill, and and I was okay with that. And that was the uh, that was the red one that but you sent the video of, right? Spooling up in the parking lot. Yeah, it's yeah the oh, orange man. one. Yeah, He's I had um, one of my colleagues. One of my colleagues is always saying, "Oh man, I really want to get to that." And it's funny because he's like, oh, man, I go and learn how to fly. I was like, all right, dude. Um, but I want to do a plane, so I, I helped him find one. And now that he's been, he's crashed it a few times, he's like, all right, dude, I'm ready for a helicopter. I was like, all right, we're going to start you out with something cheap from Blade to get you, like, learning because you're going to crash and you're going to spend a bunch of money before we get you something big. And when we get you something big, we'll get you something big use. So you can learn on that before you go out and... He's like, I want one just like yours. I'm like, no, no, you're not going to get one. You're not going to get a Kraken off the bat, dude. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to let you do that. I wouldn't have been able to handle a 700 size until I'd been in it for at least, you know, at least over a year, maybe even two. I was, I was in it for about, I started flying in March 13 or March 14. And then I got it in January, the, that's the next year. And it was crazy. The first spool up scared the heck out of me. Because all I had before that were, like, the biggest I had before that was a 500 or a 570, I think. Uh, I remember the first time I spooled up the 570, like, my hands were shaking. It's like, oh, my God. It's like it's like an unhinged lawnmower. It's like, what the hell? What have I done? Yeah, that, that lasted about hey, a minute. Did, did, you, did you guys have normal as on your, I don't know if, um, Javi, what do you fly again? You fly the three DG, or did you, are you still in the Icon? No, I I moved on to the three DG. You guys have do you have um, 
like idle up on uh, on bank one or do you have normal mode on i don't one? do normal um because i've had some really really bad that. luck that's not luck i've had some really bad experiences with me trying to flip it up and me forgetting that i was in normal mode so yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. I've done, I've yeah. Done i haven't too. done it in a while but it made an impact uh, <laughs> <laughs> literally yeah. right like if you like based on our conversations that we had in text if you get in nitro you'll 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 learn to love that normal mode especially getting the motor warmed up and heated heated up you'll love you'll learn to like that normal mode again trust me see these are all the these are all these little things that i don't know about nitros that i want to that i want to like carve a, a time in the show to talk about so um save that save that we will we will revisit all of okay. the fun nitro stuff um let's see do you guys want to move into since yeah since uh frank you're already kind of talking about you know your intro to the hobby um why don't we just roll into like the real intro like in a starting in 2013 um what'd you start with where'd you go and i got you where you are uh, okay cool man so essentially how it all started right uh i had a my daughter had just been born and i was literally spending a boatload of time in the house taking care of my daughter right i was i was working i was an intern at the time and if you guys don't know, I Paul, you'll probably agree with this one. When you're an intern as an architect in architecture, you are a you're a borderline slave. You know, you work a lot of hours. I, mean, I, I wouldn't add borderline in front of it, but yeah, sure. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you 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 get do you get to do a lot of grunt work, you know. Um, and that was my thing. I was taking work home. I had um, I had, they had set me up with a. a a virtual machine that I could log in anywhere in the in the country or in the world, so I could work from there. So it was super fast. Um, so I was looking for something to do, you know. And I went to the hobby shop and got a um, a Traxxas DR2, which at the time was a little coaxial helicopter with no rudder. I still have it. And the the first day I crashed it. And I had I was ordering parts for it that that weekend that I had it, and from that um, I spent like a year like messing around with other RC things like cars and planes, and that was kind of cool. But it, back in my mind, I always wanted to fly. I just thought that was the coolest thing ever. And helicopters, just I've every, everything I ever heard from is like they're so challenging to do when you're you know you really have to learn how to fly them. You know they're they're just the hardest thing you can fly is is an RC helicopter. And I'd be like, man, it can't be that hard. You know, I've professionally, I worked on these really big buildings and I've done other stuff that's pretty complicated. So I would probably really like it. And I went back a year later and I picked up a, what I think was my first like hobby grade helicopter, which is a Blade 200 SRX, which was a fixed pitch helicopter to like a 200 size. So imagine your Oxy-3, but fixed pitch. And it, it taught me, it, it, it was pretty cool. You know, I crashed it the first weekend, just like the other one, you know, I'm not gonna lie. Um, and I had that for about two weeks before I got the urge. And I went on YouTube and I was researching, what should I get next? Because that one wasn't enough. I wanted something different. Because I figured uh, something different would teach me how to fly better. So I found a video of Burt Cameron flying a Blade 450X beating the dog's not out of it out of it you know i'm like man that's what i need to get i need to get one of those and i can fly just like him <laughs> and yeah it came to be that it wasn't uh that i bought it and i spooled it up one time and i got put it right back in the box because i was scared shitless of it i was like 
holy crap, that thing is powerful. That thing is scary. And from then, I, I think I would buy a helicopter every pay period. I would buy like a Blade uh, Nano and then the BL and then the 130X. And I don't know if you guys did this, but like I spent like four or $500 just on upgrades for my 130X because I wanted it to fly better. Because I thought <laughs> I, I feel lucky to have missed the 130x uh, nonsense because I was I was out of the hobby when that one. Oh hit, yeah, and I saw it come out and uh, I was intrigued, but that I didn't get one. Yeah, no, I blinged mine out completely with like micro heli parts, and then I blinged it out again with Lynx parts because I thought the Lynx parts would be better, and it would make it fly better. Yeah, uh, none of that stuff happened. It was still horrible. That tail will last. Those tail gears will last you two or three flights at the most. Um, but it taught me, it taught me some stuff and I had a, I had two, 300 X's and then I got, went and started flying Alliance and I got a good deal on a, a line 450 X, the dominator, and then the 500 dominator. And then I got like my first really big helicopter, which was an Align 600 EFL pro. And that thing set in my garage for about three to four months before I even flew it because it was just so big. And to me, it was just like, this is way too crazy big. And granted guys, I'm doing all this by myself. There's no one around me. I didn't know anything about groups on Facebook. I didn't even know about Heli Freak. I was just find stuff on eBay use. Okay. I can do that. And I remember asking the guy, Hey, will that work with my radio? That was like my, my go-to question. Hey, I have this radio. Will that work with that? He said, like, yeah, it works on anything. And then I would get it and be like, okay, how do I hook, where do I, how do I hook this up? There's no receiver, you know, or there's none of this. So I would, I would constantly be at my hobby shop asking the guy for questions. And he, he knew a little about, about helicopters, but it wasn't his thing. Like he was like, look, you got to get one of these and you got to set it up this way. Uh, and it was like that jumping, jumping around for the first year, year or something like that, until I got my, uh, until I got, I started doing some more research on it on like YouTube, how to set up your fly systems. And then on one of them, I ran into, I found Heli Freak and Finless Bob's videos was a lifesaver teaching you how to, the servos shoot correct and how things should work. So I was in the hole significant amount of money before I even got got a helicopter i was able to build a helicopter and fly it because i started knew what things were supposed to do on the bench like i knew w which way things were moving should move in order to for it to work correctly um and then from there uh i got my first goblin and it's been that mostly ever since then i got my first goblin 500 and then from then it's i've had every just about every model other than the Urukai and the Speed. I've owned everything from on the Goblin side. How many do you uh, do you have currently in your fleet? Ready to fly? Six. Well, let's say let's say airframes. How many airframes you got? <laughs> oh, uh, probably twelve. Nice, nice. It's like you need a you need a three car garage for all the other airframes, huh? Uh, they're in boxes, man. They're just in parts. That was awesome. Um, I think that our origin stories are very similar um, with the small exception that I don't fly for any teams and I'm not that good. Uh, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not that good either, man. I promise you it's, it's, 
it's I think has anything to do with more just being a decent dude and you know and just liking the hobby I think all right SAB SAB USA if you're listening I'm totally a decent dude <laughs> don't worry I'll, I'll give Uncle Ron a call for you <laughs> Uncle Ron he's the team manager so so this is this is funny um so you started in 13 right yeah Okay, I started in Christmas of 12, um, and you know, you hear a lot, uh, well, at least I've, I've heard a lot of, of people saying that there was this like unnatural surge in popularity of the hobby around 2012, 2013, mm-hmm. uh, and it's kind of uh, declined since then, and I'm 100% convinced that I'm people like me are the reason for that, because Christmas 2012, my parents got me a, uh, a mall coax helicopter. Mm-hmm. as kind of like a, a gag gift and uh, i don't think they understood exactly what they were doing at the time um, or that they were literally introducing a life shift at the moment uh, but i loved that thing uh, and i lived my wife and i at the time lived in a loft space that was like a double height thing and you know i i have many fond memories of, of flying it upstairs and crashing it into her while she was sleeping uh, <laughs> we, <laughs> uh, probably not so fond on on her end of the memory side but so she told me to go outside, and you can't fly that thing outside. So I started looking for something a little bit bigger, and um, like everybody else, found Blade. Uh, so you know, I really, I really do appreciate Blade, even though I don't, you know, fly too many of their products anymore. Um, they're they're truly the, the gateway drug, you know, uh, to yeah. this to this hobby. They make it accessible, and I got a ready to fly MCPX, which. The first time I spun that thing up compared to my, my mall helicopter was, it was, uh, I was impressed. And on the very first battery, I split my finger open because I, I flew it into myself. And on the second <laughs> battery, I flew it into the TV. <laughs> Did you break the TV? Oh, there was a gash. <laughs> nice. There was a gash. Uh, upper left-hand corner of the screen. Uh, it's, it's actually, I'm actually looking at it right now because we still have that TV. Nice. Um, in, uh, in the office. And so, you know, moved outside with that one and... I'm not sure if the original MCPX was just overly fragile or if I was just overly awful at flying it and driving it to the dirt at full speed. But every single time I crashed, I broke something. Uh, <laughs> spindles, tail booms, the linkages would pop off. Um, I didn't have any concept of what collective management was. And uh, Don't worry, was... I don't either. <laughs> use, you use big motors and big, big ESCs and you don't worry about that. I'm right? working you on just... that. I'm working on that. It's nice to not have to worry about it though. Uh, but I would try to flip that thing. Just all I was, you know, all I wanted was a flip. I didn't want to hover upside down or do inverted circuits. Like I just wanted to flip it once and I couldn't do it because the tail would blow out every time. Um, so I buckled down and I was like, all right, you know, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it right. I went and got a ready to fly combo with a blade 450 3d. Uh, that was the one with the fly bar on it. It came with the DX six mm-hmm. and then picked up a copy of Phoenix. Um, so I could, virtually crash and save some money i thought mm-hmm. didn't actually work out that way um and you know the first time i spooled up the 450 just like you're saying like my hands were shaking the thing was the thing was huge in my opinion um it's, it's only like a foot and a half long but i mean the very first time i spooled it up i was terrified and i i just can't imagine you know you hear people saying that you should start off with um like a 600 size because of the stability yep and i i agree with the stability part of it but but dear lord i would have had a heart attack if i had spun up a 600 for the first time i like literally would have just dropped dead um it, it is so intimidating for uh, for someone that's not familiar with what they can do um so and you know just like you frank i was on my own on this one i was literally the only person i knew i i did know about heli freak so i was able to ask a few questions um i shy away from online interactions with people mostly like i don't have a facebook account uh i don't post on forums that often but uh especially back then so i was really learning all the stuff all you know from the ground up 
Uh, and like you said, Fenless Bob, he was um, he was my mentor, and I watched all uh, of his videos, and ended up actually getting a a, a line uh, four fifty because that's what he was working on for most of them. I found a used one on Craigslist, and um, and then actually, and then all of it stopped. So this was this this all happened between December of twenty twelve and maybe June of twenty thirteen, uh, and then from twenty thirteen till about a year and a half ago to two years ago, I did nothing. Um, we moved to a high rise in downtown Dallas. You know, I had a, I got a promotion at work. I started traveling a ton. We had a baby. Um, I kept kind of, you know, up to date with what was coming out. You know, when the goblins started coming out with their new models, I kept, a, I kept a wish list of, of goblin models that I wanted to have with the components. So I would, I would update that maybe once a year, uh, especially nice. when Oxy came out, you know, I was, I was aware of things, but I didn't fly for a solid four, four and a half years between 2012 and, you know, late 2016 or okay. 2013 to 2017, I guess. And, um, well, then we moved out to the suburbs, got a house. And, um, like you said, I started, uh, looking for things to do. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, during my off time, uh, when I was working, just so everyone knows, um, I've spent the last 10 years working as an architect, uh, much like Frank and, yeah. um, in my Dude, previous I, career. I think we're the only, the only two in this hobby. I really believe <laughs> You're the only other one I've ever met, dude. I've never yeah, met another. That, that is true. That is true. I've never heard of anyone else being an architect. Um, yeah. That so we need to crazy. have a, we need to have a couple sidebars on architecture things because you know, I'm uh, as I as I told you I uh, I ended up working with a uh, basically I was a, a computational designer and what that means is that I would use computer programming to um, develop very complex three dimensional geometry um, for buildings that twist and curve in funny ways. Um, and so I ended up writing a lot of software in order to make that happen. And I, I found out that I just love writing software and, you know, buildings are cool too. I, I don't get me wrong. I love designing buildings, but I, I love designing software too. And, uh, when I found a, a job as a software consultant that said that I'd only have to work 40 hours a week and get paid more money, I was like, you guys are shitting me, <laughs> but okay, I'll take it. <laughs> so about six months ago, I transitioned into a, into a different career. But uh, when I was uh, working as an architect, one thing that we loved to do was um, build 3D models, three-dimensional models of the, yep. the sites that the buildings were going to go on. Yep. And so me and a couple buddies in the, in the research studio that I was a part of, we, we built a drone from the, from the ground up uh, using a Pixhawk controller and a tarot frame. Um, and I think we used some DJI motors. So I, I was able to use some of my RC skills you know, uh, in, yeah. here and there. But... You, you remind me of, what does that guy call? There was a... There was a guy, I forgot his name, that worked for Autodesk that used to do all these competitional design as well as you did, but he was working on the the vert the grass hop version of it for Revit. I forgot the name of the software now. Uh, Dynamo? Yes. Is he it Jezik? Like yes, I think so. And his his um his blog, he would talk up and like his last entries, guys, I got it, I'm building a quad. And then he stopped posting after that. I was like, the hobby got him. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it was pretty funny. Like one guy posted, uh, not posted, one guy posited that we should build um, a quad for, for 3D scanning. And I was like, hold my beer. I got this, guys. <laughs> I know about oh. speed controllers. So it's like, oh, wait, we need four of them? Nah, are you sure? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. So, um, yeah, anyway, similar um, similar origin, I guess, you know, you know, uh, same progression in models. And um, I guess, you know, about a year and a half ago, I picked, got bit by the bug again, um, dusted off all of my old equipment and then sold all of it uh, because it was crap. So I, I got rid of everything. I had a, a 450X. I had two uh, flybarred Align 450s. And um, and then I just started with an, an Oxy2 and went from there. So now I've got 
two oxy twos, two oxy fours, uh, Galway X3, a um, the 570. Uh, I've got a Chase 360 that I've gotten so frustrated with trying to build because like the 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 quality control is just so spotty on that machine, even though it's oh, it's, yeah. a, it's amazing engineering, just very poorly built. <laughs> you know, it's funny. You know, Justin Pucci from the RCH uh, RCHN podcast would remember he used to have one and he would talk about it being shoddy and just horrible like it was great at the beginning and then he had to get parts for it and then none of them fit so yeah, i've never finished mine. How- like mine's like three quarters of the way done and i just every time i pull it out to try to work on it i just i get pissed off you know there's a there's an awesome <laughs> thread uh, a build thread in the in the heli three heli freak uh, 360 uh, forum uh, about what you need to do in order to make it fly correctly and that thread is you know it's a tome it's like twenty thousand posts <laughs> wow of all of the things that you have to modify to fix their mistakes you know what you do man finish that thing up and use it in combat you know like, oh a, that, that is not a bad idea you fly there, it into there, somebody <laughs> yeah no and there there's a few there's a few clubs that do um that do heli combat at, at, at their events like the guys from rcho and in North Carolina. I, are you serious? I've never I'm heard not, of this before. I'm, oh man, you need to okay, get. I'm looking you, this up okay. right now. This sounds awesome. You, you I'm need sorry. to. You need to. You need to <laughs> open a Facebook account just for helicopters and join the hangout, and I will expose you to another life of all right, you RC helis. RC heli combat. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Sidebar. Definitely right. taking that for. We're, we're going to have an entire episode on RC heli combat. That's kickass. Oh, dude, I will. <laughs> I will talk to the guys from RCHO, and they'll give you. That and that's like eight or nine four fifties. I seen them with uh, on using five uh, fifties. A guy was using an old blade five fifty and a goblin five seventy, and it was like four minutes of them trying to hit themselves. So I'm not gonna lie, this is the greatest thing I've heard all week. <laughs> I like, I kid you not, the best part of it all is they spent all the time trying to hit themselves and they miss, and then they finally hit each other, and they're like, "Oh, that's all that happened." <laughs> but some of them are glorious. When you see like eight or nine or ten four fifties going at each other, it it is great. I think the real danger there would be similar to when you're playing like a split screen video game and you forget which screen is yours. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's like that's an easy way to fly a four fifty into someone's head. <laughs> uh, but no, no, there it's they they do like it's just, it's no different than um, airplane combat. You know, there's planes there, right, they do right, they right. do it with foamies. And that's so pretty cool too. I've seen guys fight over it. I'm like, man, if it's away from each other, and especially that size 450, there's not that much inertia. If they hit, they're gonna fall down. I don't know why this isn't an actual sport though, because if you got someone with a quad, you know, that's really good on the camera gimbal to kind of fly midair with these guys and kind of trace along. Oh my god, be, would... that could produce some like incredible footage. I would, I would pay money for that. I would, I would go watch that. <laughs> Dude, they have the drone league. There needs to be the helicopter battle league. Like that sounds way more exciting than drone racing. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Like, All right. Well, that... <laughs> Here, go ahead. Go ahead. And um, oh, dude, you have have you seen night the night flying videos yet? Uh, the night flying videos. Yeah, when they fly yeah, at night. Yeah, yeah. I've seen with, uh, I've seen with... some from from Rotor Live where they got the light up discs, which are pretty cool. Okay, no, that's those are night. Those are actually night rigs, but they use regular helicopters, and they call it they call it uh, spotlight flying. So they use. And I, ha- I have seen that. Yeah, I've, I've seen videos from Urcha with the um, spotlight flying. Yeah, so there's like three or four spotlights, and they're flying at night. And I tell you what, it's like a selective group of people that do it. I'm too much of a chicken shit to do it. Like I'll do it with 
construction lights. I have no problem flying under the lights, under construction lights. But these guys get down with these spotlights, and it's just the it's just the purest rawest helicopter flying you can get out there. It's just are they, so. Int- are they flying so, with a, a choreographed routine so the guy no, with the spotlight no, 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 no. knows where to put it? No, no, no. The, 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 the spotters are trying to chase the helicopter. <laughs> Oh god. So there's no like this thing hasn't been warmed up or teamed up. This is like at two in the morning, things are about to hit the sh- uh, shit's about to hit the fan, and these guys are gonna get down. And they bust out the spotlights. Like <laughs> sidebar, but this is great, dude. There was a year at OHP. It was la- the last year of OHP, right? Uh they were being a little rowdy at night and the cops came and they turned off the construction lights, right? Because they had big construction tower lights. So a group of people, I'm not gonna name names. They got spot. They got their flashlights, their um, their their like spotlights for like boats or anything like that. And they took that out and they were starting hammering. And some of the baddest flying you've seen are in those videos. So I have to, I have to look for them for you, but it's pretty intense. They get down. There's uh, it's actually uh, there's this guy named Josh Goudreau. It's he's made for that. He's just his flying skill, his flying style, and. Uh, he throws down. It's where he he's at his best there. He's All a great. Right, you can pilot. find those videos. Um, send me a link and I'll post them with the show. Yeah, but that sounds the, yeah, that sounds interesting. That's uh, the most fun I, I've ever, I've ever seen and that I've ever been around. Like night flying at an event, it's as cool as it, as it can get. I, I can't wait for next weekend when I go to the Modown for it because I know the nightlife at the event is pretty awesome. So, how many so events I, do you end up hitting a year? Okay, so on my contract, I have to, I should, I don't, it's not I have to, but I should do about four events. So most of the time I do between five and six, and I hold my own event in October here. So that, that counts as one. So I usually do one, one event, or in the years past I've done two, but this year I'm only doing one out-of-state event, and I do uh, the two events at Torches, which is the Orlando uh, Radio Control Association uh, events, which is the Winter Bash and the Spring Bash. Uh, there's my event, the Smack Fest, and then there's the the one right, the weekend right after mine. It's in uh, Triple Creek in Tampa, which is also a like a F3C event. Where I just go there just to fly helicopters. I don't. What uh, what part of Tampa is that in? And and when what what month? In October, it's like the. Wait, I thought that was the Smack. Uh, I thought you said like that was the, the Smackfest one, or are they both in October? Well, yeah, it's the it's, it's, it's yeah, okay. they're both in October. And that was uh, it's a really good event if you're into the Nats, but there's a lot of people that show up there, which is really cool. Um, so, if, can you give me? A, sorry, we'll probably edit this out, but can you give me the date for the one in Tampa? Is it October? Is it middle October or late October? I'll tell you right now. I'll tell you right now. I got I got I got I have a list of them. Uh, sh- Okay, it's the TR, TCRC Fall Heli Classic, and it's uh, t- October 26th and 27th. Okay, I'm actually going to try to make that one. I've got uh, really good friends in Tampa that I, I see in multiple multiple times a year, so I can just right, well, show up at you, will. I won't you, probably bring any helis, but I'll definitely show up. <laughs> oh, no, you'll, 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 you'll fly a heli. I'll bring mine, and you will, uh, you'll get to fly a Nitro that weekend. Oh. oh uh. <laughs> I'll let you fly a I, I don't I don't know if you should trust me with the nitro man. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> it's it's no it's no different, dude. It's no different. It's no different. And it's like what's the uh, what's the quote from uh, Talladega Nights? I don't I don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 
it's just like it's it's just like flying a helicopter, man. It's no different. Just like flying a helicopter. That's great. I'll be good. Yeah. If you can if you can hover, I'll get it up in the air and give it to you while it's already up in the air. So I'll take care yeah, of it. Yeah, because you gotta you, you gotta tell me how this uh, this clutch thing works. Like I can drive a stick shift with a clutch, but I can't fly a helicopter it, it, it with a clutch. The, so <laughs> I'll break it down for you, man. Don't worry. The clutch okay, again. Works. Again, I, I keep on bringing this up, but let's let's, let's save it for the let's save it for the uh, for the for the nitro section. It, uh... uh, we'll do, <laughs> okay. man. We'll do. I've, I've talked enough, Javier. It is your turn to take over and yeah. tell us about uh, your journey, Javier. Your journey, get us, please. Get, tell me, dude. To dude I was talk. falling asleep when you started talking nitro. <laughs> you such a hater. You fell asleep during You're talking so... about RC heli combat. What, no, 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 not the combat, the nitro yeah. part. I, I don't look. Uh, the nitro. Uh, that's an old story. I don't like nitro. All right. I feel like we need to have you know before you get into I, your I, stuff. I, I, we need, I tried we need to know why you truly hate nitro. Well, you know, well, I'll 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 tell you something very very easy. You know, my um, my lawnmower where it. It broke. It broke, and I had to buy another one. But what? It was an electric lawnmower. So you know, I'm. I really, I really don't like anything that's gas powered except cars. You know, um, my my problem is that you know, uh, I have a, you know, snowblower, and it takes me like forever to turn to turn it on. If it if it chokes, then it's another half hour trying to get it to work. It's all messy. Um, I have to keep uh, gas, and I have to get you know um, uh, these uh, this this these other 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 chemicals to make sure that you know the gasoline doesn't explode when it's stored for a long time. You know, it's all these all these issues. Uh, you know, with having to maintain it. What, what's it? What's a snowblower? What do you use it for? I live in Miami. I don't know. This. I, I know. I know. <laughs> I know you. I know you don't. But. It, it's, it's, it's like, I'm going to use like air quotes little... here, but you got this stuff called snow. Yes. <laughs> I've never seen it. I don't live in Texas. It's a, it's a white, it's a white thing that falls on the ground that you have to use something to get it's, it I out. I think if you take ice cubes and you put it in a blender, it's something yes, like that. Kind right? of, I... kind of like it. Yes. Yes. If you've ever had like an, like an icy, it's kind of like that, but without the color. All right. So what it sounds like here, Javier, is a, is a textbook classic romantic split problem. Um, you know, one of my favorite books uh, in the world is uh, Zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance. And one of the main reoccurring themes is that the idea of riding a motorcycle, or in your case, flying a helicopter, is a very romantic, uh, you know, very cool, uh, sensual thing. But the, the actual act of keeping it maintained, the, uh, the science of how a motorcycle operates, uh, is something that takes a different part of your brain to work on. And, and right now, I think that you're just focusing here on the, the romantic side of flying a helicopter, and you don't want to focus on the on the classical side of, of how the engine operates. Yeah, 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 correct. And and it's it, it's even actually worse for me um, because, you know, I, I don't like to dabble with that because, you know, I know it's a whole different layer of things that you have to learn to, you know, to get nitro to, to, to fly because it's a little bit temperamental. But, um, you know, even as far as, and I hit, I think you hit the nail in the head because even as far as tuning, you know, I would prefer to have something that tunes like <laughs> one pack, you know? Yeah. I, I, I hate, I hate to, you know, I don't have a lot of time to fly. I can only fly usually Saturday mornings because, you know, I do a lot of stuff with the family and, you know, and my kids are, you know, high school and middle school. So there's a lot of, you know, sports activities and 
stuff like that. So I get I get pretty pretty busy with a lot of, of, of family stuff. So I only basically fly Saturday morning. So I really cherish my my flight time. So it's really a bummer for me to get to the field and you know I start flying and the and the tail wants to blow out. Then I have to land, and then I have to change the gains, and then I have to get back up there and see, make sure that it doesn't, that it doesn't do that again, so that I don't crash the heli, and then probably go back again and move it a few more points. You know, all that, all that piece of getting the helicopter to fly properly, especially as you move up in 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 skill sets. Not that I'm skilled. It's just that you know I I you know I'm I do more than hover. So you know once you start doing other stuff. You know, um, you start feeling the heli different, and and now something that didn't it didn't used to do before, it does it now because you're pushing it a little bit more. So now you have to tune it to make sure that it's a little bit tighter. So that that that's the part that I that I also don't like. It's interesting, you know. I I I find it um, appealing to a degree. But um, but you know, man, I just want to fly. You know, it's it, it's it's kind of like the sim. You know, I love flying in the sim because you just get there, it works, right? You crash it, and you don't have to fix it, <laughs> and it always flies perfectly. So it always does exactly what you want it to do. Um, you know, on the sim, you know, I think about it and I do it. You know, because there's no wind, there's no gains, there's no issues really to worry about. You just fly. Right, it's just it's just about learning yourself the 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 muscle memory. That's all it is. So you know, and I think you're right. That that's kind of like wh where I'm at. You know, with uh, with with the helis, I see them as you know, especially because I'm a big uh, goblin fan. Um, uh, and I'll get to to that when you know when when I go through my through my story. But you know, I I, I for me. It's much as having a beautiful helicopter, um, you know that that's full of amazing engineering, that's super easy to fix, that you know looks imposing in the air, that sounds really cool. You know, it's like, like you know, uh, probably most men have the you know have the dreams to you know buy Ferraris or Porsches or whatever, but you know very few actually get to buy them. But you know, for me, goblins are like. You know, I have like my mini Ferrari, you know, because it's kind of like goblins are kind of like the Ferrari of of RC Heli. So it's like, you know, these Italian beautiful, sleek, incredible machines, you know, they they can fly and they do they can do all this crazy stuff. So um, for me, it's much it's just about the flying, you know, and, and owning something that's really beautiful and I, that I really like that really fits with me. So uh, that's why, you know, kind of like I, I don't, I really don't like nitro. I don't want to dabble with it. I don't want to uh, get upset with it. You know, I get upset enough with just trying to tune the freaking heli. <laughs> <laughs> now that that's a, it really resonates with me. You know, you said uh, the, the idea that you know goblins are this 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 thing of beauty, and, and they really are. And and I think that that's really one of the reasons that I, I wanted to get another 500 model like I love my oxys but I, I view them more as a functional tool to fly versus the the goblin it, like the 570 is a work of art in my opinion that thing is beautiful and I, I feel like that would, there would be like an emotional I would have an emotional reaction if I crashed it um, I, I don't have an emotional reaction when I crash my oxys I just fix them and I fly them again 
Uh, so I, I could easily see myself getting like you know this Oxy Five that I'm yep. going to get and just and just flying that one and keeping the five seventy on the wall because it's just beautiful to look at. Um, uh, so I, I completely I completely get you on that one and also the time thing too because you know I think all three of us are parents here. Um, you know I, I've got a I've got a set amount a finite amount of time to um, to have to myself and uh, to spend with my family and my hobbies. And you're right you don't want to spend the, the the precious moments that you have like at the field and like for me it's an, it's a forty five minute drive to get there. Uh, I don't want to spend that time like not being able to fly because I've got a mechanical problem. So I completely get you on that. So there, there's so this remedy to all of this, guys. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna break it down for you from the big picture down. One, you get yourself a nitro, and you always take an electric with you because if something happens to the <laughs> nitro, which it will happen, there will be times when where a nitro will kick your ever loving ass. No pun. No, I'm not hiding anything from you. Sometimes they want to work perfectly, <laughs> and sometimes. You have something, you did something different, and it won't start for anything Anything you do. And that's why you have an electric, you bring an electric with you. So your fun is not ruined. You just got to change the yep. plan a bit. Yep. But, 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 Javier, I'm telling you, man, the minute you fly a nitro and you will see, you, it's hard not to like it. Once you, like, if you really dedicate, I wish you and me would go to a fun flight together because I would let you fly my natural four or five times and your opinion would change. Your opinion, your, your opinion would change. Well, how, how would you how would you feel if you had a dedicated staff member to tune your nitro for you up here? Uh, well, you know, that that would be fine. You know, if I were Tarek. I was about to say, like, if you, if you were someone named Tarek El Sadi. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean. I mean, if I had my, my dedicated team to do everything for me, I mean, that would be fine. You know, it doesn't fly, take it away, fix it, give me another one. That's fine. <laughs> but, but yeah, I don't, you know, I, I don't want to, to you know, to, 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 to really spend the, the time with it. You know, uh, I'm, I'm, I don't doubt that it, that it flies, flies nice, that it, because it, because many people say that it has character, right? I mean, um, it does, you know, the, that's a, so, uh, to quote Dan Reed, it has a soul. Yeah, yeah, correct. So you know, it it, it actually you 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 are kind of like you know, it's kind of like having like muscle car. You know, it's 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 the feel, it's it's the it's the groan, it's you know, it's is that you know, it, it has a personality while electrics are just pure power. So you know, I get it. I get I get the the appeal, and I'm pretty sure that it would be nice to fly one. But you know. I, I really wouldn't want to own one. I mean, I'll be, you know, I, I really don't want to, to mess with it. Um, I don't, I don't want to mess with all the, uh, additional layer of complexity. I don't want to deal with, uh, fuel, which is also a consumable, you know, I, you know, um, it's nice that you, that, that, you know, um, you don't need to charge your, your batteries because usually your, your RX pack, you know, will highly likely, uh, be charged and you can reuse it for multiple flights uh, contrary to an electric but you know if you run out of fuel then you're screwed I mean and it's and it's and it's uh you know it's, it's a special it's, fuel it's, too. it's not something that you can just you go know, grab at a gas station right yeah it's and yeah so 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 you know electrics you have the packs you just recharge them and recharge them and recharge them and just keep using them so it's kind of like a different thing um I know um I'm pretty sure that I would like flying it but yeah, I, I don't see myself owning one. That is a really interesting analogy, though. I don't think I've ever com I've ever thought to compare, you know, nitros and electrics, kind of like the whole muscle yeah, car versus uh, import yeah, it's, sports it's, car it's, uh, debate, because it's, it's very it's similar. A Tesla? Yeah. 
and a Corvette. Yeah, exactly. And and they're two amazing things at what they do, but they, they definitely carve um, exclusive Venn diagrams yeah. of followers sometimes. A hundred percent, you know, and it's funny because we're at this age where lipos have made it normal not to have to own a nitro. You go back 10 years and, you know, I wasn't in the hobby, but so, but there was the battery technology wasn't there. The power systems weren't there. So if you wanted to fly, fly a decent sized helicopter, and by decent size, I'm not trying to attack the smaller ones. I'm just stating the obvious. You know, you were like on a Raptor 30 or something like that. You were flying a, you were flying a nitro. You were, yeah. you were, in order to get it up in the air, you had to learn how to tune. You had to learn how to maintenance and you just had to, it was a lot more difficult. So, you know, thank God for technology that has made it so we don't, we don't have to be full jarheads or, you know, we don't have to be full nitro mechanics to enjoy the hobby. But I mean, you can also understand like the gatekeeper, I wouldn't say syndrome, but effect where you've got people that, you know, are coming into the hobby like myself, I actually like all of us that aren't aware of just the technical hurdles that were required just to get in the air 10 years ago. You know, now we take it for granted. Um, so yeah, like, I, I mean, I don't personally, like I said, I don't personally have a nitro. I'm intrigued by the concept. Um, I'm shit at tuning engines. So there. <laughs> There's that, uh, but yeah, maybe maybe one day, you know, I the night the the oxy nitro is a is a pretty sexy looking machine as far as nitros go. Okay, okay, Javier, sorry, we've been we've been we've been talking too much. You is your turn. I want to hear. Actually, you know what? I want to hear the most is how the hell you survived a direct encounter with a 360 CFX. Yeah, and yeah. lived to tell the tale. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm gonna mute my microphone. This is all you, man. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so I'll so I'll I'll take you back into the past, and uh, it's uh, it's it all started on March thirty first, twenty fifteen, um, which is actually my birthday, uh, because I wanted to gift myself a helicopter as a birthday, and um, it's funny because I went into um, the uh, what is it, uh, Hobby Town, USA. And I went there, and every time I went there, like, I don't know, one or two months before my birthday, I already knew that I wanted to buy an RC Heli. And I saw these beautiful, sexy, red, what is it, CX-2 helicopter, which is a coaxial helicopter. But I didn't know crap about it, right? You know, I didn't know that it was a coaxial helicopter that would probably just uh, infuri infuriate me and probably make me drop the hobby because it flew ho horrible. But you know, it looked beautiful. You know, when I, when I saw it, and every time that I went to the, to to that mall, I said, you know, Heli, you're gonna be mine on my birthday. So you know, when when my birthday came came up, I went to the store, and the CX2 was not there. So I went in and asked the owner, and he said, well, you know, that was the last one that I had, and they've just discontinued that model. I was so upset so so upset that you know my dream had had completely gone away that i couldn't buy that helicopter anymore um i ended up buying a uh you know uh the the also the um famous 200 srx which i went also kind of like you uh frank but instead of the uh, of the 130 i went uh, the blink route with a 200 srx you know i crashed it and i also thought that, you know, uh, aftermarket parts would make it fly better, but it didn't. Uh, it just made my crashes more expensive. So um, 
I, you know, that first year on the hobby was kind of like a full waste for me. You know, I, I just crashed and crashed and crashed and I knew, never could get that helicopter to fly right. Um, I don't know what it was. So um, eventually um, I ended up buying the Blade 360 CFX. So I jumped, you know, from a fixed pitch, uh, you know, uh, what is it, 3S, 200 size helicopter to a 6S, uh, 360 millimeter monstrosity, which uh, it was, you know, just pulling that up was really, really scary. But, you know, I, I really enjoyed it. You know, it was a really nice machine. It was super light. It, it flew very stable, flew very nice. I really like that. You're, you're brave. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was. I, you know, I, 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 I saw a, a 6S 450 has a ton of power, man. Yes. Yes. That thing, that thing was amazing. I mean, just, just seeing it, you know, just, just when it went full spool up, I mean, it was amazing. I really liked it. Um, but I realized very quickly, you know, how powerful it was because one day when I was flying it, um, I, you know, I was basically just tailing hovering, right? I was learning that. So I I brought it to to land and it ended up, you know, I, I, I wasn't able to control it as well. So it went to my left. And of course, side orientation, I had not learned yet and much less landing it. So it came down and it was near the ground. And, you know, I didn't have the orientation I put it down, it tipped over, and it destroyed itself, you know, because um, I, you know, today I uh, I land on, on what's called the baby auto, so, you know, a few feet off the ground, I, sh I shut off the motor, and I, I just let it slide down, but at those times I didn't do that, and I was actually on, on, on idle up too, you know, I was full speed on that thing, landing it, I didn't know about it, tipped over, and it completely destroyed itself. Um, so that helicopter actually taught me how to, you know, ironically taught me how to set up, you know, a flyverless, taught me a whole bunch of things because I decided to completely disassemble it, uh, to try to figure out how to assemble it, watched a lot of videos on YouTube. And, um, and, and I really have fond memories of that heli, I, I'll be honest, because it was, I learned a lot, a lot with it, you know, um, uh, I learned how to, you, you know, that, that I shouldn't you know, uh, land on under full power and start thinking about, you know, some other way Then I found the baby auto. Um, it taught me, you know, about uh, how to set the flavorless corrections properly because I purchased these uh, beautiful 360. I had two at one time. I purchased the second one from a micro heli pilot. So it was completely blinked. You know, it was beautiful. You know, it had you know, the, the, it even sounded different because it had different bearings. So, you know, so even the sound was different, you know, it was a beautiful, beautiful heli, uh, with all the upgrades that micro heli offered for that helicopter. And it had, uh, I think it had the switch, uh, 353s. So it was, it was, you know, like, yeah, yeah. So it was, it was really nice, a really, really nice helicopter. It destroyed itself ten seconds after after the first. No, oh, that hurts, man. Um, I, uh, <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 it that that was that was horrible. You know, and that, what what happened was that I um, 
I wanted to upgrade the firmware on the flavorless. And uh, I didn't know that that, you know, basically reset everything to factory condition and the flavorless corrections were not correct. So, you know, and I didn't know how to check them. So as soon as the helicopter got off, got off, you know, got light on the skids, it tried to correct. And of course, it destroyed itself. So that was that was very disheartening. But I learned a lot with that helicopter. I really liked it. And then, um, you know, uh, of course, that's a helicopter which um, made me uh, a very safety conscious guy. <laughs> um, I was I I was flying that helicopter, and to this day, I still thank God that you know my son was with me, but was on the opposite side of me, um, because uh, I took him with me because I wanted to take video of my flight. I was starting to do fast forward flight. It was uh, it was a very windy fall day. It was kind of cold, um, you know, around these around these parts, you know fall probably feels like winter to you guys so uh it was it was really cold what's what's fall again <laughs> yeah we really only have one season <laughs> yeah yes huh. yeah. Huh. well you probably you probably saw that at school <laughs> you know it's when the, when the fall when, when when everything gets brown and, the, and i know that they make fall. peanuts movies about all the different seasons but i only really follow one of them <laughs> correct <laughs> yes <laughs> so uh so you know, I was I was flying left to right on the park that I usually I still fly at that that park today, but I don't like to fly there because you know now that I'm flying bigger Kellys, it can get kind of scary, to, you know, to go back into the houses if I lose it. So, um, but you know, at that time um, with that size helicopter, that was fine. Um, so I was doing just you know sideways, um, you know left to right, right to left, you know just fast forward flight, and and everything was going well actually. My first pack, I finished it without any incident. The second pack, I went to my left, I flipped the heli, and the heli there was like a gust of wind, and of course my lack of skill, com uh, compounded you know by. Um, by by basically losing lift because you know I had I had a change in winds, so I lost lift, and the helicopter went from like I don't know what is it from like twenty thirty feet to like uh, I don't know like five feet, so you know the helicopter just dropped you know quickly, Ooh. and yeah. I I punched the collective as as I as I you know as I turned it back I punched the collective so of course the helicopter dips the nose down then we then i have these uh these this change in wind so basically the helicopter ends up going full collective right at my face <laughs> you know uh, you know at that at that height so i see that i don't know what to do you know i panic i i really didn't know what to do you know i didn't have the muscle memory that i have today to probably get it out or to you know dump it into the ground or to get it up or to push throttle hold you know there's so many possibilities that, that I could have done, but I didn't know what to do. Um, uh, you know, thankfully, my, my son was on my right side, and this helicopter came to me at the left side. Um, so I, I didn't know what to do. So I just basically turned my back towards it, you know, just 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 uh, letting it crash in, into my back. So it hit me. Um, when it hit, uh, you know, the impact basically made the canopy fly away. And the battery disconnect, 
Um, so, you know, the, the helicopter uh, crashes onto, onto the ground after, after hitting my back. Um, and, and, you know, it's funny because at that point in time, you know, I've told you about how frustrating it was owning that model helicopter, how much I learned, you know, thinking about it now, you know, it was a very good learning experience, but thinking about it then, it was, it, it was a big ordeal. You know, it was, it was getting to, to, to get to the point of frustration that I just flew that helicopter a couple of flights and I just, and I had to fix it again because I had crashed it. Um, so, you know, what pissed me off was not the fact that a helicopter had struck me, but the fact that I had crashed the darn thing again. Uh, and I was, I was so upset that, that I had, that, that, you know, I had crashed the helicopter again. I, I said, you know, I'm done. You know, I, I'm, I'm done. I, I, I'm out of the hobby. You know, I'm sick of these. I can't fly this freaking thing. Um, you know, I just keep crashing it. Now I, I crashed it into myself. You know, I was really pissed. Um, then my son, who is, uh, you know, more mature than me, <laughs> of course, uh, <laughs> tells me, you know, Dad, you once told me that you, if you really love something and I can tell that you really like this, you know, you should not uh -oh. give up. I said, okay. <laughs> okay. So, uh, okay. So that, that's why I'm in the hobby today. So, um, so, so, you know, I proceeded to start picking up my stuff and then I see this face on my son and he says, dad, dad, what, you know, you're back. And I, and I said, what, you know, it's, it's, you know, you have like a big cut, you know, on, on your back. I had a, I had a, you know, as I said, it was cold. So I had a coat on, you know, a winter coat on. Uh, I had, I think, a sweater underneath and a t-shirt. You know, the, the helicopter just slashed through all of those layers of clothing right through, you know, like butter. So um, I, I I really didn't, hadn't know what happened. You know, helicopters are, your helicopter's blades are very sharp and, uh, you know, you don't really feel the pain after a while. So I didn't really know, you know, what had happened. So, um, I drove away and I stopped at, ho at a hotel before um, before getting home because I wanted to get into the restroom and see what had happened. So I took off the, the shirt and I had this massive, massive cut um, on my back, you know, gushing blood. I was like, oh my gosh, I mean, this is bad. Um, so I went back home, uh, you know, have some... Uh, family um in, in mexico that that are doctors so we called them up and i said you know does the, do i really need to get to the hospital they said you know it's uh it's doesn't seem to, to be too bad you know uh took pictures and everything um i ended up uh doing uh you know these uh uh like this uh, crazy glue but for the skin to just close the wound <laughs> And then, and then putting like like, like little band aids on it, and, and that, and that. so just like a strip of band aids across the cut. So uh, okay, I'm sorry, I gotta stop. I gotta stop you here. Like, at, did you recognize or realize the magnitude of what could have happened I, at the I time? Did. I mean, I did. I, that, I that could have I, killed I, you I so easily if yes. you'd been nine inches yes. higher. Correct. Correct. Yes, I was. I, 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 I was, I, I got scared after that. You know, that's why I always, um, try to advocate for, for safety on the hobby because yeah, I know what these things are capable of. 
Um, that, that's, they, just they, ins- that's just it, insane, man. It, it's insane. I know. It's insane. It was, you know, I, I, I thank the Lord, you know, to be honest with you, that, you know, one, that I didn't end up dead, and or two, that my kid didn't end up dead. You know what I mean? I mean, because it could have been, I mean, I don't care about me, you know, but my son would have been, you know, you know, the worst thing. So, um, so I don't know. It it was it was a really bad story that that taught me a lot uh, about you know having respect for these things um, and and trying to to you know to fly them safely and to really learn um, you know about what could happen and try to react and try to think about you know every time that I learn a, a, a maneuver, I try to think about of, of a bailout plan if something goes wrong because you know uh, things could go wrong. So so yeah that that was um that was that was very scary. So um after that um I uh you know I continued on the hobby um I sold um basically everything that I had because I I I learned about this little machine called the Goblin 380. So uh I I saw that it was that it was this amazing piece of machinery I completely fell in love with it. Um and at the time, you know, I didn't know what I was getting into. And I found, um, at that point in time, I had already found Helifreak. So I went with um, with a post from Chris Rybert that was offering a Goblin 380. So, you know, I, I knew about Chris, you know, that he was a, an excellent pilot, that he was an excellent builder, that he was an overall good guy in the hobby. You know, uh, but I was this... This guy that um, was relatively new to Helifreak that didn't have any feedback because hadn't really, you know, bought, bought or sold anything. And uh, I wanted to convince this guy to sell me his goblin. Um, and ended up being, you know, being nice. And, you know, to this day, he's, he's, he's an awesome guy. And we text every so often. He's, he's, he's really great. Um, and uh, I, I, I bought this goblin 380 from him. And I, <laughs> that's, that's, that's pretty cool. You, you brought his, you bought his goblin. Yes. Yes. I bought his goblin. Nice. I, I've, I've watched his videos for years. That's, yes, <laughs> that's the, pretty the cool. Same, the same goblin 380 that you see on those videos. That's the one that I ended up nice. with. Nice. So yeah. It, yeah. It, so it was. Chris is good people. Yes. Yes. He is. He's, he's one of the good guys in the hobby. He's, he's a really amazing guy. You know, he's already, uh, you know, um, he, he's answered all my questions. You know, he he's really all right. We should guy. totally have him on here. And, Taking um, some notes you know, here. He, Add Chris yes. to the show. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so he helped me a lot. You know, going through the hobby, um, getting you know, getting me uh, hooked into my goblin addiction that started growing exponentially. Um, you know, after that, I um, since since he assembled it, he helped me a lot because I didn't I. I bought it, you know, assembled. I didn't bought it as a kid. I bought it already assembled. And of course, by him, I just had to put the electronics on it and go fly. So that was pretty nice. Um, after that, you know, I purchased my second Goblin 380 kit. I was flying two 380s for a while. Um, I then, um, I think I went for the Oxy 3 Terra Edition after that because I wanted something smaller and because I really liked that machine. Um, it was, it, it, to, to this day, it's one of the most beautiful machines, you know, that I've ever seen. Um, it's really nice. Of course, after goblins. Yeah. I mean, of course. Right. 
Well, you know, hold on, hold on. I'm going to do a little quick interruption. Um, I don't have a three, right? I have a two, a four, well, I have several twos, a four, a couple fours, and a five on order. Um, the three, now I've always felt that you shouldn't buy the first kit, um, whether that re- regards around a production run or a model, uh, until they work the kinks out. Uh, how do you feel about the three versus, let's say, the two, the four, the five? Because I feel like each one of those models has kind of been an incremental upgrade on the first design. Yes, well, I, I've seen the other models. I haven't owned them myself. But the three, the you know, the, the version that I had, the Taric Edition, you know, had all the upgrades on it. So that was that was really nice. I mean that machine I've I've read some issues that people have had with that machine and with small machines, you know, that they, they sometimes have a tail wag that they have a, a hard time starting out. You know, that thing flew perfectly. Hmm. I mean, I, I never had any issues with that machine. So I, I've always avoided the, uh, that size, you know, like the 270 millimeter blade size. Um, I, I've never owned one. You know, I've never, uh, I've never, I didn't have like 300X or a Fireball Oxy 3, um, the I mean, Oxy 2 and Oxy 4. And I'm wondering if I should get one. My main mode of flying these days is, like I mentioned before, like the two hours that I have between dropping my daughter off at school and going to work. And I usually just find a park to fly in. Um, I've, I've been doing the two. The four seems a bit large uh, to, to be flying with the general public and their dogs. The dogs just love helicopters. Um, and I'm wondering if I should check out a Fireball or a, you know, or a Comet, a Mini Comet or an Oxy-3. I, I, I had a Mini Comet and that was a fun they machine. Look, they're beautiful. I, I, again, I'd probably have the that, same problem wrecking a Mini Comet as I would with my 570. It's just a gorgeous piece of machinery. Yeah. <laughs> so you got, so... It's, it's a funny story. You'll hear me talk about this guy named Chris Nutt. Chris Nutt's my partner on so many ventures. You know, uh, we own Inverted RC together. You know, we also have another partner, Chris Katsoulis. But Nutt was, he's has this issue. It's, it's literally a mental issue that he has, that he has to have the latest and greatest. He doesn't care what it is. If it's coming out, he has to have it. Uh, and he, he got his... Before they were even out, he talked Bert into sending them one of the first uh, mini comets, right? And we were we were going to, funny enough, we were going to we were flying up to Rochester to go to Chris Rivers' event, right? And we flew the <laughs> the mini comet. We flew it on the side of the road and we, we recorded live on the hangout. Everybody's like, "How are you crazy? Are you doing that, right?" So. On the way to the fun flight because we wanted to see if it actually worked and it was flying because we had he literally built it the night before we flew out uh and then when we get to the fun flight on the second flight he told he destroys it <laughs> not saying i haven't been there but it still hurts <laughs> yeah so yeah so it was about like a 100 bucks for parts to get up to get another one back up and going so don't cry. Don't worry about it too much. It's, it happens. <laughs> but they're really they're a really nice machine. I had I had one for almost two years, and I ended up uh, selling it for the same thing. I just wanted to concentrate on the bigger machines. I feel like I have enough spare parts for my Oxy Two to, to to last a you know a few dozen crashes. So I might wait until that's exhausted before I try something a little bit larger. But I think that a three would be a good fit for the time that I've got, you know, this flying area that I, that I frequent the most. Yeah. Yeah. It could be, it could be, I mean, it, I, I think it's a good, it's a good option, Paul, but you know, I've, I've also heard it from, from a lot of people, you know, if you focus on a particular model, uh, you know, you're, you're, 
you, your skills will just grow that much quicker. So I, I really think that, it, you know, I don't think that you need a three. I think it would be nice. But if you have a bunch of parts, you know, I would I would prefer to have like two yeah. two twos, you know, uh, and a hot spare um, if needed, and just fly the crap out of it, you know, in that space that you have. Um, if you crash it, that's fine, you know, get out the other one, you know, fix it, and I think that that would be your best bet. I mean, I mean, the D three is a really nice machine, and it's very. I like that you can fly it in a lot of different configurations, but. Um, but you're, I mean, with the three, with the two and the four, I don't think you're missing on a lot. And I think that for you, the two okay. is better. And that's, that's kind of why I avoided it, you know, because like, I feel like I got it covered. Um, but I don't know. There's, there's always the, there's always wanting what you don't have. Yes, so there's, of course, there's, there's that. Of course, of course. Yeah. But I don't, I don't think that you, that, that you need it, you know? Um, and then, and then when you get that, that, that Oxy five between this 570 and the Oxy five, you'll. You'll be at the field anyways most of the times. Trust me. <laughs> well, see, I, I, now I, I want to talk with you guys about that, and um, maybe some people that are listening can chime in on this. Uh, I can't be the only one that lives a considerable distance away from a flying field. So, do you guys fly large machines in public? Like, uh, you know, Javier, I've seen some of your videos on YouTube, and they, they look like they're soccer fields, uh, which kind of implies people. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, my, I'm. I'm looking that the park that I fly at because you know I fly Saturday mornings, so there's barely a soul there, and the, and and the 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 place that I fly at is mostly deserted. Um, but what I don't like about about flying there, the big machines, is you know that there's houses around. So basically, um, when you know those machines, yeah, five seventy is pretty loud. Yes, and and eat up they they eat up ground pretty fast. So, you know, and uh, for at least at least at least for me, and it may be the same for you, I don't know. But, you know, for me, when I'm learning um, and especially a big machine, because, you know, I don't want to crash it. I crash it. I, I fly it high um, mm -hmm. and, you know, and usually wide. Five I, mistakes I, high. <laughs> right. And usually when you're doing like a circuit or something, it ends up being being very wide because you still don't have the skill to fly it, you know, really at, at a really nice closed circle so you end up doing more like ellipses and you know very wide so high and wide uh on a small park on a big machine it spells you know that that machine getting exactly. out of the park and falling into a house so that's 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 why i don't fly the big machines at the park anymore i only fly you know the most i would fly there is my 420 but um but but I try to make it. To yeah, the I I, uh, I just feel down. You know, I just feel irresponsible when I fly. Like I took the five seventy out once in a uh, a very large park near where I live called Flagpole Hill, and I I just I get I forget how many people take their dogs to walk uh, in that in that area, and it, I don't know what it is about helicopters and dogs, but they just love them. And I was trying to land to get out of this couple's way, and the dog would just chase my helicopter every time I tried to land it. And I was like, "Dude, this will kill your dog if it if it comes anywhere close." Like, please, like just let's just let me land it and get out of your way. Like, I don't want to cause. I know I'm not supposed to be here. You guys should. You guys are definitely supposed to be here. Uh, and, and that was what made me realize. Just you know, I probably shouldn't take these things out anymore. So I've been I've been sticking with the two, which is you know fairly innocuous. Um, yeah. 
One thing that actually comes so, to oh sorry yeah go ahead Frank no 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 so no go, go finish up because I'll talk about my situation okay because I'm 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 in a different place oh well, so this this ties into uh, Javier your your story about the impact with the 360 or the sorry the was it the 360 CFX isn't it yes yes okay um, so I fly Icon for about half of my machines and then I've, I've been slowly transitioning into Spirit. And I, I just love Spirit because they support Linux. And, you know, I'm a software developer now. And anyone that supports Linux, you know, I'll give you a shot. And I found out that Spirit is, is actually, I, I've, I've enjoyed the, the FBL quite a bit. I've enjoyed the tuning process. I like the app. And so I've been slowly transitioning all of my helis to Spirit. And last year they came out with something called the GeoLink. I'm not sure if you guys have seen that or not. Yeah. Um, and when I was just getting back into the hobby, I was like, man, if there's something that can do like a hard deck, kind of like the Skookum did, but for a fifth of the price, like I'm, t- I'm all in, Let- let's do that. So I bought one and I went out to one of the parks that I fly in it was right at dawn. And I, uh, I'm, I'm not sure exactly what went wrong with it. It was either a calibration issue or it was a kind of a vibration that got, got out of hand that the, the unit couldn't account for. I'm assuming that the software was, you know, spot on uh, and it's really just physical realities that kind of, you know, when the software can't account for the physical, for the physical component anymore, then it goes out of whack. Uh, But I hit the return to home button, which basically turns it into a drone and home it decided was 600 meters to the left of where I was. And it shot off like a rocket in the opposite direction. Um, I eventually hit throttle hold just to get it down and it landed in the middle of a road, or it landed on the sidewalk, actually, in a residential area. And this was kind of like the moment that you had, Javier, where I just realized, like, what could have gone wrong? You know, this was a 360 blade, for Oxy-4, um, coming down at 25, 30 miles an hour. And if there was a couple walking their dog or their kid um, out early in the morning, uh, this could have killed somebody. And that has made me very, very conscious about where and what I fly. So... Unfortunately, what that means is I fly very small, very small machines away from everybody, and I get to the field when I can. Um, but yeah, I, I just really wanted to get your opinion on on on, uh, on how you treat that because you know this is this is something that we're passionate about and we like to get to. But going to the field is hard sometimes, especially when you live in a large city. Sorry, and Frank, that was uh, that was all to set you up, man. Go. <laughs> all right. So I like, for example, I live in a big city as well. But Miami is pretty big. But I live on the outskirts of it, and I have a where I my little practice field. It's five minutes from my house. Oh, I hate you! And <laughs> and, and and my actual field, right? I'm a member of club uh, that I, my club that I fly at. It's 15 minutes from my house, so I can go to fly anytime I want. Uh, or 15, 20 minutes from my house is where my club, the club sits at that I fly at. So, but before before I was a member there. Um, I had the same issue. I had big, I had big helicopters, but I would fly in this empty field that they're building a shopping center now. At. But I would, every time there were people there, I would remember just sitting there for hours waiting for people to leave or stop where they were doing so I can get up and fly the bigger machines. Cause if not, I would just sit there waiting for them to go or I would come back at another time. So yeah, big machines. I don't see, uh, if there, if you can't fly anywhere else, then, I would hold off on flying the big ones at a public place or a park or anything like that. But small, like Oxy 2s, Oxy 3s, the Fireball, you know, even a 380, I th- I don't see an issue with that. But they can get scary, but, you know, 
learn learn to crash your machine hit throttle hold and let it come down and break and you go back and fix it you know no no amount of money is worth someone's life you know, or, or hurting somebody you know yeah i've seen guys that fun flies you know have it flown over their heads and just hit throttle hold and let it land on the parking in the parking ground you know eat itself or destroy itself i had a guy there was a guy that did that uh last year at uh the Winterfest with a miniature gasser and it literally landed between two cars it couldn't have gotten any luckier so yeah the machine was wrecked but no one got hurt yeah. which is pretty cool yeah for sure all right so uh okay so uh so basically to to wrap it up on my end um ended up with uh you know growing to basically a fleet of goblins so today um well it's 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 kind of like the latest update but um i used to have a 380 a 420 a 500 and a 570 um the uh the 380 um I, I really liked it was it was the helicopter that I was uh, liking the most because it was the one that tuned the easiest um, you know it's ve it's very easy to fix but you know um, I didn't crash it that often because it, it really flew really really nice um, but I crashed it uh, pretty bad um, trying to do inverted uh, inverted backwards flight uh, so I crashed it pretty bad um, uh, it, it wasn't a rig yet, uh, although, you know, it was, it, it was pretty bad, but I, I really wanted to fly it again. Um, so when I went to Urcha, uh, this, this last, uh, this last year, which was actually my first Urcha, I flew the 420 and, um, I, I like to, to, you know, uh, punch, punch it, uh, punch the collective a lot. Um, so in, in one of those, um, something must have happened and I must have killed one of the servos, uh, because last, the, the next time that I wanted to get it up in the air, one of the servos was twitching. So, um, so I didn't fly the 420 anymore. So when I, when I came back home, I decided to tear that, uh, 420, uh, completely apart and, uh, and use it as a donor for my 380 and basically de-stretch the 420 to my 380. So I took one of the servos that I had from my 380. I got the 420 de-stretched to, uh, to a 380 so that I could have it again. And that's actually the only helicopter that I have right now that's on flying condition. The, um, the remaining electronics I planned to get, um, you know, some sort of airframe of that size that supports that supports um, those electronics. And um, I also have a 500 and a 570. However, the 570, um, I was flying it and I realized that uh, nose, uh, that upright um, nose first um, orientation is my weakest because um, I don't know what's, and that's something that I'm going to have to practice a lot on the simulator, but what happens is that my brain thinks that it's inverted for some reason. So when I'm when I see the helicopter upright um, nose first, my brain thinks that it's upside down. So my collective 
naturally moves the other way. Nose, nose, so that's a nose forward, right? Like looking at you, like if yeah, like no, nose oh, in. Yes, correct. Nose in, yeah. What? It, yes. It's funny yeah. because that, that's the one yes, that, you know, you sin. think you get mastered first, then you move on to other things and you come back to it. And you're like, wait, I guess I didn't really have that mastered because <laughs> I feel the same yeah. way about nose in. It's like I, I've already gotten past it, but it still gives me trouble it, sometimes. It's like inverter telling. Yeah. Well, because, you know, when you're flying like an inverted circuit, you know, or an inverted eight for let's say inverted forward eight, um, like I have the muscle memory to know what to do in that situation. But when you're flying an inverted nose in, it's almost like you're flying at tail end and you just have to keep telling yourself that it's nose in versus like automatically relying on your muscle memory. And I think that's the problem that I've, I've been having. And it's like whenever I flip it upside down, like my brain goes into upside down mode uh, and I got it, I got covered. But nose in is still me mentally correcting for the fact that it's backwards. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's weird, you know, and, and I think it's part of, of, of that, you know, we don't just train on it. I mean, you feel comfortable on tail end. And then you feel comfortable in inverted nose in, and that's usually what you hover at, and the the rest is just maneuvers. So you know, I I'm I'm really thinking about focusing a lot on trying to master those orientations um, on the sim this winter. That I know you you guys don't you guys don't get the concept of seasonal <laughs> flying. Um, so yeah, I'll uh, I'll master those <laughs> concepts while actually yeah. flying. <laughs> So, so I'm gonna sim a lot and and try to get those uh, those orientations burned in. So, um, in that orientation, uh, you know, I basically long darted the 570 uh, because oh. my my yeah. my 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 brain thought that you know the collective was backwards. So instead of trying to push it away from the ground, I pushed it to the ground at full power. Oh. You know, the uh, it took me. It took me a fair amount of effort to pull it out of the ground, you know, of, of how much the, the tail boom was in was deep into the into the ground. I mean I it was it was unbelievable. Yeah. Did you take pictures? You got you need to take no, pictures. No, I, I, I was so pissed that I didn't take any pictures of it. Was but, this uh, the was this the Drake or the yellow one? This is the Drake. Well, the it's the same one, you know, my Oh, did, my, did you just uh, buy the, the, the replacement? I just bought boom. the canopy and boom for the okay. Drake, yes, uh, because I, I really, I really liked it. I gave it to me as a as a birthday present, so um, that's that's just what I did. I I just changed it. So actually, what I'm gonna do once I repair it, because actually the 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 tail, uh, you know, the Drake um, boom has been out of stock for a while. I think that because of the Kraken that has been taking up all the manufacturing, so. Um, it's been out of stock for a while. Yeah, I, I heard them. I heard them yes, mention that. So, on one of the so I think I'm gonna go back to the yellow one for a while. Um, but uh, as soon as soon as I repair it, so right now that's you know that's completely disassembled. Uh, it's waiting for me to save up to buy the parts. Um, and then the 500, you know, it was flying beautifully. It was flying really well. Then it, then it started to degrade a little bit on the way that it was flying i didn't really know why so i was trying to tune it i was doing this um aileron tiktok and all of a sudden the motor died uh you know halfway through the tiktok so of course uh, i tried to level it it didn't respond it just fell you know almost without power basically on its side um but um but but the but the damage i don't think that the damage was bad but i think that that actually 
you know, it was just due for maintenance. Uh, you know, I found uh, some of the main bearings that are completely shot. Um, of course, lost the, lost the main blade. So that's also completely disassembled now. So my two best uh, helicopters, you know, the 500 or the 570 are uh, sick <laughs> uh, right now, waiting for, wait, we're waiting to save up a little bit for the spares and waiting for winter to, you know, start rebuilding that. Uh, that sounds like one hell of a repair bill for all that, man. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. It is, it is. It's it's no joke. Uh, so, yeah, um, you know, it, it wasn't, uh, you know, that bad. Um, it's just that uh, I have to completely disassemble them, and the biggest cost is the blades. Um, so that's, that's, that's a bummer, you know. Most of the crashes take out the blades, and that's one of the most yeah. expensive yeah. parts. Well, I got, I got a text from you, you know, that um, where you showed off the the five hundred at the at the event, and then what was it? Two or three days later, I got another text with it like in the ground. I was like, oh god, what happened? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was it was flying so nice. You know, I really like you know the five hundred and the five seventy. Of course, I haven't sampled the seven hundreds, which of course I know that will be better, but. You know, those two helicopters fly amazing. The red and white 500 Sport is just aesthetically, it's one of my favorite helicopters that Goblin has ever made. And one of these days I'm going to get one just because it's it's beautiful. Yes, yes, I agree. I don't know what it is about it. I mean, but I, I also agree. I think that the 500 is actually the, the best looking helicopter of all Goblins. I don't know why. Um, you know, the, the 500 Sport in both colors. I really would like, uh, you know, if I could afford it, I would buy both. I would buy the yellow and the and the white, because I think that 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 is, you know, the most. I don't know what it is that this the proportions of the helicopter coupled with the design, uh, and I don't know. There's something about it that you know it just looks much better than any other helicopter that you know that Goblin makes. Yeah, I mean, a aesthetically, I'm a huge fan of the skin of the skids. I, I know that functionally they are probably not the best choice uh but again you know i'm an architect at heart i choose aesthetics over function any day <laughs> are you talking about the flippers yeah 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 the flippers they look cool but i have a i have a feeling i would lose many blades to the flippers yeah i actually you know i had a 500 sport and i put the 570 skids on it before the before the tubes when they were still the, yeah yeah yeah, yeah the, the, uh, the striped the striped carbon fiber ones yeah, those are the ones I put on it, and it worked amazingly. Like, they were wider, and they took more of abuse because they had more plastic on them. But I remember going going through those like crazy on the original Goblin 500. It, it, really, uh, is, it really is funny that this is a topic that I, I, I foresee coming up over and over again, uh, and that is, again, that romantic classic split. Like, what do you think looks cool versus what functions the best for your application and like having to battle between those two modes of thought because like half the oh. helicopters I buy are because like, damn, that's gorgeous. The other half is because like, well, I need a functional helicopter to, to beat the shit out of before I crash it. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> We're going to have a long discussion about that. Yeah. Um, yeah it's, it's fun. Yes. That's interesting. Um, but yeah, it's, it's crazy because you, then you kind of, what I do is I try to fall in love with the the more functional one because I think if I like it a lot I'll, I'll be able to fly it better you know that's kind of how I sell myself on things it's not the most beautiful one but I like it a lot and I like it better that and I like it better so if I like it better it's more beautiful than the other one because it works better yeah so that's like my that's that's how I talk myself into doing design work for other the I 
developing buildings for people that I for products I didn't design. I'm like, oh, this is a shitty looking building, but oh, hey, let's make it look good. <laughs> let's de- oh, let's, I'm sure we can let, have many conversations about architect of record versus design architect. Uh, yeah, let's 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 design the let's let's design the hell out of that detail. It's like design the hell out of the good. documentation, right? <laughs> yes, I'm gonna make sure that title block's amazing. <laughs> Well, I, you know, I, I'm really curious about the, the, the let's say, the, the Goblin Nitro, because mm-hmm. I know the community wanted it, um, obviously, because, you know, Nitros were all there were for, for a while, but the aesthetics of a Goblin is much more suited to an electric helicopter, because you don't have this mm-hmm. kind of bulbous muffler hanging off the side, right? Uh, it, it takes something that is very sleek and sculpted, and it just adds this functional thing that hasn't really been integrated into the design. And honestly, I haven't seen a nitro yet that really integrates the mechanical components the way that an electric does. So I'm wondering if there was any kind of hesitation on that because I feel like Goblin is the most focused on aesthetics of any helicopter manufacturer out there. Well, well I think I see. So we'll do a little architecture speak with a heli- with helicopter. To <laughs> bring it on, so, man. Bring it on. <laughs> so, so okay. So Javier, I'm going to explain it to you. Archie, so Archie it speak. To you, to be short. Okay. <laughs> Arky speak, yeah. So there's a famous architect named Richard Meyer. Richard Meyer has a palette of things that he does. And you don't take him out of that. And he repeats that on a lot of his buildings. I think that's the one thing that makes SAB so good. They take they have they built this transmission on like their on the original ones and they've they've improved it on other models, but they kept it on there. And I think that's the one of the things that's excellent, you know, that the idea of repetition through all the models like i know if I, something goes wrong on one i can i can pull it on my black nitro yeah most likely i can pull that up out of my black thunder and put it on there you know like i pulled t- tail fins and tail boxes out of one to make the other one fly you know even out of my old 700 competition i pulled parts off of that for my thunder or my um my nitro and now with the Kraken, the Kraken has a different head. Well, that head I can put into a black nitro or on the a regular seven hundred thunder on it too. So I think I'm gonna I'm gonna upgrade all my helis to the new head because it just seems a little slicker. And I wanna try the their new arms that gives it a more tighter, crisper flight feel. And I can pass that into into the rest of my helicopters, which is which I like a lot. I like being able to Swap things around. Same thing Iteration on a concept is something that I, I do definitely appreciate. And that's that's why I've gravitated towards Oxy and towards Goblin the way I have, because you can definitely see a lineage of the design decisions. You know, going back to architecture speak, if, if we talk yeah. like a Olsen Kundig or, or Lake Flato, where you see the same concept iterated multiple times and finally refined. Yeah. Um, yeah, you got the you got that fine you you come up with that concept, right? Yeah. So you have, you have the concept and then you have you, you come up with all these ideas that represent this concept, right? And then once you get that idea just zoned in, yep. you, you 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 start kind of, okay, now that you have, like in design school, you know, oh, I, give me your concept. Okay, I'm trying to catch the win. And then you come up with three ideas that assemble that that notion. And then from that, you come up with three more on each each idea. You keep uh, uh, models on the same three ideas. And I think that's what they've done so well. And, you know, another one that's done something similar, but not in the same in a matter of aesthetic synergy you know they yeah have, absolutely absolutely yeah like i've had a, a huge discussion with matt about it like his tail box for his 556 fits on just about every helicopter up the line 
you know, on the if it's on the OE7, if it's on the Zen 7, on a Z5. So there's that, you know, the transmissions were pretty much the same for most of his helicopters, you know. And so there's a certain beauty to having that that you got this one key part, you know, it's like having that one detail that just works perfectly on every project. Yeah, it's just a typical detail. You don't even you don't even think about it anymore. You add it onto your sheet and CD, so it makes your packet look filler. Uh, more, more, more fill. I know what you're talking and, about. And I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's funny is that you see the same thing with uh, with Horizon products, with Blade products, and I don't get the same impression though. Like I get the impression, I get the feeling that they're reusing components um, for cost savings or for economy of yes, scale, and yes, not necessarily because yes. they've perfected a detail that they want to replicate. Uh, maybe that's true, maybe 100%. it's not, and I would love to have Horizon on here to, to defend that or refute it, but um, I, I just don't get the same feeling, you know, like like a lot of the CFX products, you know, like there's a lot of components that are shared, but it, it feels more of a stamped out assembly line where we made this like Frankenheli that happens to use this piece from this pre-existing model, and it's not like we've made the best one and we want to reuse it a million times. That's I could be wrong. So valid. <laughs> yeah, no, no, you're, no, it's very valid. It's very valid. And, you know, there's there's also, from a manufacturing standpoint, you can see that some of these parts cost a lot more money. And you can see that in, in some manufacturers, you see as they evolve, you know, they find ways to make things more conservative, cheaper, you know, and it doesn't, the ones that are, do it the best are the ones that do these, that change it just enough to gain, uh, fiscal value by not changing any of the yeah. um, its abilities you know not making the part any cheaper or not making the part any weaker you know be able to hold up just as long as the one from before you know having to making it lighter that's always a good thing i like these I analogies that we're making here we've got architecture sports cars we should keep this going uh, <laughs> I, I, now we I just hope, need five whiskeys and add that into the mix <laughs> Um, Johnny Blue, that's always the best for me. I like that's more of a scotch, but um, it's true, man. It's true. I think in anything, anything that you, see, for example, you want to, you want to look at iteration. Look at a Porsche. Look at a 911. You can stack up. They put the, the engine. They put the engine in the wrong spot, and they are damn consistent with it. Hundred <laughs> percent. But you can even see, you can even see that it, from a side view, you can see the evolution of the of the curve and how that line keeps. It doesn't change radically from one year to the next or one model to the next. It's just it's just gradually trying to find the right place for it. I, I feel and like Compass. Amazing. I feel like Compass had a shot at that, and then unfortunately they went under. Uh, yep. Because that was another <laughs> that was another model where there was a there was a there was an iteration on a concept, and um, hopefully they come back. I'm still crossing my fingers on that one. The seven HB to the Chrono. Yeah, the Chronos know, RS. Was... The Chronos RSR has been you know demoed so many times now. You'd think that it was an actual production model, but it's not. It's not there yet. Yeah. It, it's hard to get a. It's it's hard to be like so. So I I'm not a manufacturer, but I I do run an online hobby business, so I understand the cost of things, you know, and it's hard to invest a significant amount of money to to get a model going and just to see it not be work out, you know, because you're spending so much money on, on molds and not just, let's just count. You don't charge, you don't pay yourself for all the R and D work that you do. Let's say you're the designer of it. Right. And all the time you spent modeling in the computer, doing 3d models and testings and getting, 
getting prototypes built, right? Because you're paying more to get a prototype built than you are a regular helicopter because you got to get these parts one-off made. So I can understand the, the, that, right? And then you have all this money and then you're only going to make a very small amount of money from it initially. Yeah. You make money over a long period of time selling the same machine over and over. Well, and you've heard the discussions that, uh, or the, the talks that, that Luca's given about, you know, the profitability of, of the business and, um, you know, they're mm-hmm. doing it because they have a passion for it. Uh, if they were in mm-hmm. it for the profits, they would have been out long ago. And that's a, mm-hmm. that, is, that is a shame. Like, I feel like this is such a cool hobby and there's, there's so much that it has to offer. I, I'm very surprised at how, at how small it is relative to the global scale of hobby interests. Uh, but it is hard. No. It's very, very hard, you know? It's, it's very hard, and it's also it's one of those things that in this I don't know what is it with today's people or with the younger guys that you know I was always interested in being outside and doing doing stuff outside or trying to figure out how to do something. Today is like um, there's you, you got people spending more time playing video games than they do that they want to be outside. You know, like it just it's just it's sad because you know, and it's just part of evolution and people change and you know from generation to generation it changes, but. I always, my biggest thing I always tried to look at is, man, how do you get people into the hobby? Like I've had huge long discussions with my buddy Angel, even with Bobby Watts, we were at an event one year and we spent like close to an hour just trying to figure out how do you get young kids who are between uh, six and 10 years old to come out here and want to fly helicopters? And how do you get, how do you type, get their dads to want to do it? How do you get all these things to happen? fall in place where the hobby keeps growing. Yeah, it's it's, it's addicting, but unfortunately there's no free to play business model for RC helicopters, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and also there's there I think that there's also, you know, sadly no um no benefit to it. Uh because you know That's true. if yeah. you if you put your, your kid into playing soccer, you know, he might get, you know, to be Ronaldo and, you know, buy you know, earn millions of dollars. If you move to the drone to the professional ro- drone racing league guys, I mean they're they're making events, you know, a million dollars of of prices. Um, if you go to the video games, you have, you know, I think that Fortnite just came up with like a two million dollar purse, uh, also for for for, 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 know, for a big competition. So things like that are also, uh, you know, if people, you know, you invest so much into it. That some people say, "Hey, why don't, don't don't I also get something out of it? You know, why don't I get also paid for that? You know, YouTubers. I mean, those guys. You know, Instagram means influencers. I mean, it it ends up being also something that you know, if you invest enough time and energy in it, some people just want to get something out of it. You know, some people like us, we just dump money into it without really getting in getting anything other than you know satisfaction. But you know, other people." You know, just look for the money. No, I, I've read so many articles on this, though, uh, especially like, the, you know, the commoditization of free time, the commoditization of, of leisure time. You know, no one does something now with the hope that it can really just be a leisure activity. You know, you don't go into photography thinking, hey, I'm just going to take photographs because I like it. You're going to say, oh, well, maybe I could sell my photographs. Um, and, and I think that's a huge problem because, like, I never get into any I've never gotten into any of my hobbies with any hope that it might be a lucrative side gig specifically because if I get paid for it, it's no longer a hobby. You know, if you, I, I love developing software, but it's not a hobby. Like I get paid for it. It's my job. And the idea that you need every aspect of your free time to have a possible monetization really bothers me because, you know, 
at that point, like we don't have any free time. Everything is a potential job. It's it's like it's like a factory. You're a factory. You're trying to figure out how best way best way to make money as much as possible. You know, uh, right? right? If you make money playing video games, you're not going to enjoy playing. Video no, games. you won't. Um, but you're right. I, I I don't know where that goes though. Like, where does that where does that slot into the conversation of how do you get people yeah. interested in it? I I really don't know. Six year olds don't have enough money to wreck a seven hundred. No. <laughs> and if that if that six year old won't get the, the the opportunity, if his dad doesn't fly, does he? If his dad doesn't fly, you know. Exactly. So are you? What are you targeting for? You know, it it's funny. Um, actually, give me a second. I want to do. I want to check them real quick. Uh, I'm on the hangout. Let me do the group group inside, right? So I run this group on Facebook called the RC Heli Hangout, right? And I want to see details. What's the Oh, where at? the target the most uh, Facebook breaks gives you all these analytics for it right so the major target point it's males from 35 to 44 the second one is 45 to 54 those are the, the biggest populations of the hangout um, and you're looking about 96 96.7 percent men uh, in that in that those two numbers that I said. So if you can't reach a dad to hopefully teach his son to keep that going, it's where we're pretty much screwed. We're screwed. We're screwing the pooch, you know? So how do you get someone to invest? Because you need about a good two or three years to get to a point where you're really flying and you're in, you become good enough to want to teach somebody with it, you know? Or state you learn have enough practice where you can actually do it and not feel and not destroy that, but the initial cost of getting up in the air is, is significant. And, yeah. And you got. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I actually I keep very detailed logs about how much money I've spent on this. I, it's uh, it's sobering. Oh, <laughs> I, I stopped doing that. That would that's just that cost the divorce in my house. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I know the feeling. Um, okay. All right. So it is, we have, we've been talking for one hour and 53 minutes. Um, I feel like we've got a, I've got a, I've been taking notes as we've been talking. We've got six or seven full blown episodes worth of material that we can delve into here based on just the conversation that we've had. So, um, let's get into the last couple segments here and, uh, Javier, why don't you take it away with collective planet? Also tell us what that is. <laughs> Basically, uh, you know, uh, a collection of what's going on around the hobby, uh, you know, so um, we've kind of gone through our personal personal take um, and our personal experiences, right, of, of the hobby. But what about everything else that's going around the hobby? You know, um, we've talked a little bit about events, but, you know, events are a very integral part of the hobby, you know, more of the social aspect of it, you know, other podcasts as well, that uh, uh, they're, they're doing their, their efforts to, you know, also talk about, talk about the hobby, either, you know, giving technical information, just banter or whatever, you know, also enjoyable um, as well, you know, news, what's going on around on it. And, you know, of course, what our, List, uh, listeners will eventually uh, hopefully give us feedback on so that's kind of like the concept of uh, you know this collect new collective uh, planet piece or segment to talk about that so uh, 
So do you guys know about any uh, any events, uh, either, you know, local or big events uh, that you're either going to or that you're probably not going to, but worth mentioning? Um, so this weekend, it's the it's Rob McClellan's Fun Fly in New Jersey, I, th- I think is um, the New Jersey something. Hold on, I'll tell you guys what it is. He's having his event this weekend, and it's, that's a pretty awesome event. Um, I haven't been to it yet, but I've heard great things about it. Uh, next weekend, it's one that I'll be attending. It's in Virginia, in Fredericksburg, and it's called the Mowdown. But yeah, so these are two really good events that are going to be going down in this period, in this time. Um, and then there's mine next month, so don't forget that one, guys. All right. So, uh, where's yours? Uh, remind us, Frank. I mean, we we are we we are free to make you know any um, uh, any, any, any promotion we want. <laughs> I can pro- I can promote myself. No, that's great. Uh, no, uh, I'm actually. It's in South Florida. It's in West Kendall. It's called at Amps Field, and it's called Smackfest 2.0. Because last year, is this a uh, is this a BK is this a BK sponsored? No. Uh, yeah, he'll be there. They'll be there. I got the. I got. I got the. I know Bert told me he was going. I don't know if Kyle will be there, but I know Bert will be there. And more important than Bert, it's Mr. Michael Gaeta, aka Gator. He will be there, and that man is the show. That man is the best. If you ever get a chance to meet him, you will love him. It's hard not to like this guy. All right, all right. So I've got two. Um, I you should. I next. Uh, actually, this weekend is uh usually would be my last fun fly of the of the season yes that 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 thing exists um and uh but unfortunately i'm just so sorry for you really i know (laughs) i know (laughs) so what so what do you do for the rest of the like what do you do the next six months if you you just clean bolts with rubbing alcohol like what (laughs) like what do you do for six months Well, I'm, I've 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 got uh, plenty of helicopters to tear down and uh, and 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 have to uh, to fix. But what I what I did last uh, last winter that worked out really well was simming. Um, so uh, instead of going out to fly on Saturday mornings, I go down to the basement and I sim like crazy. So um, that that has helped me a lot, I think, because I was able to move to. Uh, uh, backwards, uh, backwards inverted flight, which I don't think I could have done if I hadn't simmed as much as I did during last winter. So um, I'm I'm trying to perfect my my orientations this winter and uh, see where that takes me next year. Yeah, Javier, your um your post on Helifreak from a, a few years back was very helpful for me when I was kind of getting rebitten by the bug and you know i've i've got a very strict uh sim and actually physical practice routine that i've been doing kind of based on uh, some of the stuff that you recommended uh this is well before i was aware of of the podcast that you did i didn't even realize it was the same person <laughs> until recently that had written that podcast or sorry that had written that post <laughs> um, but yeah i think that that should be a uh, kind of a dedicated episode kind of like you had earlier on um, full pitch about simming uh, because it's a great tool, but if you don't do it with purpose and with consistency, you know, you're only going to get out of it as much as you put in. So if we, we talk about something, we could talk about that at length in another episode. Yeah, that's a gr- that's a great idea. Right. right. Yeah. Okay. All right. So going back uh, to the uh, to the events, uh, as I said, this weekend um, I have the Rock River A Remodel Society event at Beloit, Wisconsin. 
Um, that's uh, usually my last fun fly um, of the season, but I won't be able to go. Uh, sadly, I haven't. I hadn't missed these the last three years, I think, or two years. But um, but my son got into cross country and he's he has his meets on Saturdays, so um, so that that got screwed. Um, and then uh, next weekend. <laughs> On the 28th, um, there's one on um, Des Moines, uh, on Bondurant, Iowa, but I think it's, uh, you know, it's more like Des Moines. So it, I think it's uh, on the outskirts of Des Moines, Iowa, the Des Moines Modelaires um, event. So that uh, that's one that I keep putting on my calendar of heli events. I hope that I can make it one year. I used to uh, live in Nebraska. So, uh, you know, Des Moines, Iowa was relatively close um to uh to where i lived before so i kind of like want to go there it's still you know driving distance is still for me today so i'll i'll try to make it one one year I, i'm really looking forward to try to make that and these are these are heli events or just rc events there these are heli okay. events well the um the one on on beloit um grew a little bit last year they had their own dedicated fpb uh site uh, so uh, it was, uh, there's like three, um, there, you know, it, there's like three runways, uh, there, there's the main runway, which is mostly dedicated to planes, where there's a lot of planes flying on the left side, uh, there, they put the new FPB field on the right side was, this, was the helicopters. But, um, last year was my first and only at that event uh, so far um let's say noon demo um and uh you know it was all of these guys who are mostly mostly plane guys and um i did um, a helicopter demo for them that was really fun so uh, i was really looking forward to going to that but sadly i won't be able to make it Well, and you mentioned earlier that you're within driving distance of Urcha, right? Yes, yes, and uh, I was able to That's finally cool. make it uh, this year. So uh, hopefully, if you guys you you know can plan for it, I mean that would be a perfect spot to meet. Yeah, I've already told my wife that I'm uh, I'm definitely going to Urcha this year. It's I've been wanting to go for years. Uh, you know, I've never really been to a heli event outside of the Dallas area. So uh, this year. You know this podcast. This is this is me saying that I'm going to be a much more active member of the community. So Urcha is on my list for this year. I probably won't make it for the. I mean, I'm not going to make it for the entire week, but I'll definitely try to make it for like the latter half and the weekend. Nice. Yeah. Uh, same thing for me. I've 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 made a pact with actually one of the directors of Urcha West Westminner. He's like uh, he's my Urcha buddy because he um, he's been telling me about it for the longest time to go and check it out. And I'm like, oh man, I have to, I have to. And I, I was gonna go this year, but things came up. But yeah, next year I'll definitely well, be let's, at Urcha. Let's make, let's make a pact. All right, let's let's make a let's make yeah. a commitment right here, right now. Yeah. We're going to Urcha this year, guys. Uh, yeah, we're going to Urcha, and we're gonna do an episode from Urcha along with um, along with uh, Bert and Kyle because I think they did one this year there too. Those guys? No, oh, I don't want to do that with them. No, forget those guys. <laughs> yeah. They're they're um, too they're yeah, too. Gr- that sounds. They're too grumpy. That I, I, you know, I've noticed that there's a few bones that are, are picked consistently with that podcast. No, no, those guys, um, it's funny. They're grumpy <laughs> there, but those are, those are, they're pretty, they're really decent dudes and they're great. They're great to hang out with. Like I, 
I hung out with them timeless times at, at Fun Flies and went to dinner with them a billion times. But those guys are good people. They just, that's, every, what I, that's what I love so much about the hobby is that it's it's really not that big. You know, if you think about you know globally, even g globally, how many people are in to helis? It's not that many. When you think nationally, it's even smaller. Um, to the to the fact that you know you really could fit everyone that's truly interested in the hobby into one large conference room. Uh, it's, it's it's pretty cool, and, and yeah. most of them are going to be there at Urcha. So let's 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 go. <laughs> let's do it. Okay, so moving on. So um, next uh, next is uh, the other podcast, our brothers in arms that uh, that uh, have treaded this path before us, and that are currently treading it. So um, just like uh, just like free fall, I think that uh, we should mention the ones that are actually active or that look like they're active. So um, um, what I have here is that uh, free fall RC, the, their latest uh, episode was "What Degree Is Enough." Have you guys heard that? No, I have. I, I'm I'm like a month and a half behind on on free fall. Yeah, no, I haven't heard that one uh, that one either. No, I've been. Um... <laughs> Uh, recently, I have a much uh, longer commute than usual, so I've been trying to catch up on all my podcasts, but uh, I haven't gotten to that one yet. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty good um, uh, episode, you know, pretty fun as always. You know, of course, they talk about, you know, uh, degrees of pitch, you know, how much, how much is too much. Um, so it, it's, a, it's pretty fun. It's a, it's, it's a pretty good episode. Um, then uh, the Telerotor uh, podcast, their last episode, they talks about Nats and Urcha. Um, I have I have listened to that one. Cool. Yep. Yeah, I enjoy I enjoy good. that one great. That's been my uh, Telerotor has been my my morning commute buddy for the last six months or so. All right. Okay. So um, then uh, BK, BKRC, uh, they talked about Urcha 2019 about their experiences. Uh, that was also pretty fun. They haven't been uh, they haven't been for a while, but I think that you know Bird was on vacation. Then they probably haven't synced up, but I don't think it's gonna be too far away until they release the next one. Next one is the hooligans that they haven't uh, done anything since April. Uh, apparently, what they said was true that they were gonna do quarterly episode and they they were gonna do all four episodes at the beginning of the year. <laughs> So, um, but hopefully they get something else out because, they, you know, they, I also really enjoy that podcast. And, uh, the last one is Bobby Watts, uh, which the last one is how to turn a hobby into a business, which we touched on actually a little bit today. Um, but you know, he, he actually turned his hobby into his, uh, into his career, apparently, um, into, you know, drone building for commercial purposes. So that that was pretty cool. So he talked about that. That was also that was also very interesting. So um, I don't know about you guys, but we're I think that we're nearing the two two and a half hour mark. Do you want to start moving towards the uh, closing? Okay. Well, so in the show notes, I've got something called weekly picks, and this is something that I've taken up from. Uh, I thought it was a pretty good idea, and I've seen it in my uh, software development podcasts where you know every every episode, the guys go through and they just mention one or two things that they've seen in the last couple months that was interesting to them, and it really could be anything. It doesn't have to be hobby-related. Um, most likely would be, but that could be something like a learning resource or a thread that you saw on HeliFreak or maybe a video that you saw on YouTube, just just something that piqued your interest in the last, in the last month. Um, so do you guys have anything like that? 
Um, I do, I do. Uh, Frank, do you have anything, or do you want me to go ahead? Go, go ahead. Give me time to think. Give me time to think. Okay. Well, I have a, I have a couple of things. Um, one, um, I've really, uh, I, I'm really a, a buff of, uh, you know, you've seen my YouTube channel. You know, I'm really a buff of filming my, uh, my flights. But I also like to film other people's flights when, you know, I, I, I encounter a lot of good pilots. Um, so, uh, you know, on Instagram, you know that um, they, they, they start reading your interests and start, you know, pushing ads to you that might be appealing to you. There's a, there's a kit from, uh, from Sure that I hope to get my hands on one day. Um, it's, uh, it's, you know, the microphone the uh the headphones uh an actual tripod uh, that is handheld and uh that uh, that little like uh, it looks like a little animal fur that you put on top of the microphone to minimize the air noise so um I mean, kind of like a kind of like a pop shield yes so you want to you want a furby for your for your microphone <laughs> yes yes kind of like a furby for the microphone correct so um <laughs> So that's that's I actually actually I think that that the correct term for it is dead cat. No, I think the correct uh, term is Furby for a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> so that that so that's that's a pretty neat package, you know, to to, to really you know uh, shoot some some cool videos when you go to phone flies or whatever. You know, I'm not trying to go into a bill bill bill, but. Uh, but it would be really cool to, you know, to to have something nice that's not like overly expensive or overly complex to, you know, just put on that cell phone, just connect the microphone there and just start shooting with very high quality. So I think that I thought that that was pretty. Nice. And um, the second one that I saw that is more deeply connected with the hobby is um, actually an issue that I've been having and that is the I'm convinced is the cause of my crash on the 500 which um, you know I told you that the, that the 500 basically just uh, died when it was in the middle of an error on TikTok so um, the the logs show on RC failsafe and I had this happen before as well to the 500 also and I thought that it was a range issue because it was actually very far away, but now it was very close and I changed my, my uh, satellites to have diversity antennas, uh, you know, which are longer antennas and they actually go to, to you know, the signal can come from either antenna. So, um, you know, it, it was a very robust uh, setup. So um, what what appears to be happening is you know just belt static. Um, so I I started a a, a thread on Helifreak uh, because I wanted to know about um, anti-static um, uh, sprays for the belt to avoid this issue. That was a very interesting thread. Yes, it it, it, <laughs> it ballooned. <laughs> yeah. But Javi, Javier, Javier, what had a couple of that happened to man? The 500. And, you know, the reason that I was so interested in it was because I have a feeling that it had a part to play in my, my geolink mishap. Like, this, the static discharge is is a very real problem for belted helicopters. Yes. And, um, yeah, so, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. But definitely, that was a very interesting, interesting topic. Well, it's interesting because it, just from my own personal experience, I've never had any issues with it 
that and it was and I, I was even before even flying the V the Neo I used to fly Spectrum and Jetty and I never had any kind of discharge or anything like that and I I always thought that the, um, that the goblins were immune to that because the way the the boom was shaped and the way that was actually grounded to the actual frame and the fact that it's shrouded in carbon yeah, shrouded in, and it's and it's it's partially boom it's attached to the to the transmission where the fly barless and the esc and everything else mounts there or the motor yeah that, and honestly I, I want that to be a separate topic of discussion for a future episode because i had some some serious problems with with exactly the same thing and um, that was a journey of figuring out exactly, you know, how the signal uh, was being impacted by all these different things. So uh, let's definitely talk about that in the future. Interesting, interesting. Because the just one quick more note is I've always had my biggest fear as always was because they ran out of lower voltage. Any kind of hard move, any really hard uh, collective move, where it really drained the batteries, especially if you have some older batteries, you could you could pull enough power where your BC would drop. And it would cause there to be a huge fluctuation in voltage, so that's why I always I always heard of guys running uh, cap packs or additional backups just to make sure you, buffer packs to keep the voltage consistent. And that, you know that's, that's the, actually to the flat not something that I've really taken into consideration, but uh, I, I feel like I should now because I've had some very odd crashes, which could easily be explained to one uh, you know attributed to one of those two things. Either a voltage drop or a static discharge. Yes, yes. I think that that part of my, um, you know, I know that we're probably going to talk more at length, but probably we should invite someone as well that um, that could help us, you know, explain a little bit of probably the electric <laughs> portion. Yes, I'm just I'm just an idiot. Please don't listen. <laughs> Please don't listen to me. But uh, but I think that you know what we've talked about. I think I I plan to implement that. You know, I'm I'm planning to buy. You know, according to you know to the Halifrick thread. I'm just going to buy basically a, an anti-static um, spray. Um, I'm also going to do the, the same thing that I did with the 420. I'm going to do it on all my goblins. I'm going to shave off the uh, the paint and put aluminum to have uh, more continuity um, to grounding the boom. And I'm going to add also a small capacitor to the flyberless unit. Um, so all of those, I think, are going to make a pretty solid, rock-solid, set up to avoid you know any static discharge discharges so i'll be i'll be testing that myself uh you know uh starting next season see how that works i think that that the the, the concern of most people was the degradation of the belt with uh you know with the spray yeah yeah well you know oxy oxy mentions that uh, wd-40 is the preferred method for keeping their belts lubricated and i would assume that also entails uh, keeping it free of static buildup yeah yeah, so uh, so that's what I'm gonna try. You know, see what happens. I, to be honest with you, you know, I don't fly that often. Um, you know, you know, I I try, but I can't. Um, so you know, I, I don't think that I have over 150 flights on any heli over the life of the heli. So you know, if I change the belts, which is fairly inexpensive, every season when I go into my winter, um, into into my winter sleep, then um. You know, uh, you know that would be no issue. Now, you are always welcome to come down to Texas for the weekend and just hang out and fly. Ah, <laughs> uh, that would be nice. He might melt though because he's not used to all the heat. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Or thaw out. I, I actually love the heat. I, right, you're I from Mexico, man. Come on. <laughs> I don't. 
I know, I know. I don't know what I'm doing here in Wisconsin. <laughs> I, I don't do snow. I don't know how the hell you moved from Mexico to Wisconsin. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. All right, so my pick is um, is actually a Heli Freak th- uh, thread, and a big shout-out goes to Thick Fog, who managed to lose his uh, logo in a tree. And that is one of the most entertaining videos that I've watched in the last, you know, several months related to RC helicopters uh, and his removal of the logo from the tree uh, with a 40-foot improvised boom of, I really don't know what it was, it was a pool, was it a pool wand? I don't know. It was pretty awesome. So I think you guys should check that out. Uh, it's it's on the main forum of Heli Freak. Uh, that's mine. So I don't have an exact pick, like this one thing that really stands out, but I'll say that we have this, if you guys probably seen him on some of um, Bill Land's videos, Scott Graham, I recommend everybody to vote for him for president of the AMA. No, oh, okay. It's, it's like I, I enjoy I enjoy Bill Land's videos. Uh, which one yeah, is this look, one? Scott Graham, he's flying a black nitro. Okay. Check it out. I think it's one. It's, his videos in there, but he's a really good dude. He flies for uh, Team A Main. Uh, he's always he's a helicopter. I want it. He's a huge fan. I want to get him on the podcast. He's he's just really cool dude. He's been around for a long time. Uh, just got back into it again. He's uh, just great guy, and he flies really good. So definitely worth watching. Vote for him. Vote for him for uh, president of the AMA. All right. All right. All right. So I think that brings us into closing remarks. Um, so in order to get a hold of everybody here, uh, for me, the easiest way would be to either send me a message on HeliFreak. Um, my username is Tamupino, T-A-M-U-P-I-N-O. And just as Javier had a very long and protracted uh series of reveals of what that his username actually meant i think i'll do the same on mine so you guys can guess on what tamu pino actually means uh but otherwise i can be reached at paul m dot ferrer f-e-r-r-e-r at gmail.com uh how about you guys uh you can reach you can reach me on heli freak on design by frank or you can catch me on facebook uh on the hangout my last name is moradiello so figure out how to spell that and you can get in You'll notice that I said co-hosts are Frank and Javier because I didn't want to butcher your last name. <laughs> and how about you, Javier? Nice. Uh, well, uh, I can be reached um, on Instagram, uh, Toadies Coil. Um, you can, uh, you know, message me there. Uh, you can also reach me via, uh, you know, comments on my YouTube channel. Uh, you can reach that via tinyurl.com slash Coil. Uh, you can also send me a PM via Hellfreak, which where I'm also Toadie's Coil. And uh, you can also send me an email, uh, Toadie's Coil at uh, gmail.com. All right. So I think that does it. about does it for the first episode of Skids Up podcast. Hopefully next time we'll be joined by Scott. Um, again, I believe this is really just all of our attempts to connect more with the community. And we would love to hear from people that are listening um, if you guys have any topics that you want discussed or would just want to come on and talk with us, uh, we're just thrilled to be able to talk about this for a couple hours, you know, every couple weeks. So we'd love to have you on. Um, just give us a shout. And uh, thank you very much. We'll see you guys next time. Bye.